This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez spoke for the first time since being indicted on federal corruption charges. The indictment, unsealed Friday, alleges Menendez shared highly sensitive information about the U.S. Embassy in Cairo, Egypt, sought to interfere in criminal prosecutions, and used his power as chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee and even home mortgage payments. I recognize uh, this will be the biggest fight uh, yet, but as I have stated throughout this whole process, I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. Every time they indict me, I consider it a great badge of honor. I'm being indicted for you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> Zach Wilson could process? What are we talking about? I'm not. That, it's, that's it's the, the you know, you hit it on the head. That's the difference. It's a, the it's, Niners dumped the number one draft choice after a year and a half or two years because they knew he couldn't play. Bingo. And my team continues no, no, it's not to trot out this. It's not that they knew he couldn't play. They knew that you hate the Jets. Better. You would love to see the Jets go two and fifteen. Stop it. I love you're a giant. If this was a situation with the Giants, you'd be screaming to get Wilson the hell out of there. If somebody handed you Zach Wilson and said, okay, Joe, make him better, what would you do? Send him to Kansas City to back up against somebody like Mahomes. Maybe I'll <laughs> learn something. Your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for O'Reilly. Oh, my God. You, and also, you have, like, uh, the tonality, uh, like, you know what you're getting right away. It's like, I'm Sid Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight.
Yes, I'm going to admit right now, at 6.06 on your rainy post-Yom Kippur Tuesday morning, I'm back, bitches. <laughs> I'm going to admit right now, about to turn 57 years old, that I love this song, Love Song, by Taylor Swift. Bernard, God rest his soul, almost gone a year, October 5th. He loved this song, too. He used to play this song all the time. Love Story by Taylor Swift. And unless you've been in prison or in a hole somewhere, no one has been on TV more the last couple of days than Taylor Swift. Not Bob Menendez, not Donald Trump, not even Joe Beningo, Tiki Barber, or Joe Namath. None of them. Taylor Swift has been everywhere. So... Last night, you know, the holiday is ending. I do want to thank uh, my dear, dear friend Mike Sullivan, Brennan, and Carr. What better way to break the fast than cheese beefs, cheeseburgers, and fries from Brennan and Carr? So thank you, Mike. After spending Yiska service for my late father, Harvey, I miss and love you, Daddy. At the West End Temple in the Ponset. I uh, watched some TV last night. It was a very emotional day for me. Very emotional. My father, the Jewish holidays are really all about my dad. And my mom, of course, goes every year, gets all dressed up, goes to shul, makes beautiful dinners. She's gotten older now, so my sisters, Alana, Ray, Sherry, and Elizabeth, have um, really taken on a lot of that responsibility. But since I'm a little boy, I just remember going to shul with my dad. My dad grew up in Coney Island on Surf Avenue, and he was uh, not orthodox, but close. Maybe he was even orthodox. And my mother, she was one of those Jews that celebrated Christmas, you know, whatever those are. So it was a um, it was a weird childhood. We'd light the Hanukkah candles one night and throw a Christmas Eve party for 300 people in Brooklyn the next. <laughs> but it was fun. So these holidays are all about my dad. We didn't, you know, grow up uh, very, very religious. He did, my father. I didn't. For example, Sukkot is coming up. I don't go into a sukkah and eat and pray and do all that stuff. I do Rosh Hashanah. I do Yom Kippur. I stay good on Passover the first two nights. I'm eating chicken parmesan by night three. And that's basically the Jew that I am. And I'm okay with that. So, uh, yes, it was a very emotional day. But afterwards, I was watching some of these magazine shows. You know, I like this uh, Deborah Norville. She's on this show quite a bit. I like her. And what do they start with? Taylor Swift. And a guy that may be, I know it sounds crazy, when you think of Kellen Winslow and Ozzie Newsome and Tony Gonzalez, he may be the greatest tight end in the history of the game. And that is the current tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs who caught another touchdown in their 41-10 blowout win over Chicago on Sunday, Travis Kelsey. Maybe the best ever. So Kelsey has been dating this uh, Taylor Swift. They're not a good-looking couple. I, listen, I, I, Taylor, I love that song. I love a lot of her music. No one can argue her talent. She's immensely talented. But for me, this old Jewish creepy guy, I don't find her attractive at all. She is a washed-up shiksa. You know what I'm saying, Noam? You know what I'm saying, right? I kind of know what you're saying, yeah. Washed-up shiksa. Weighs about 80 pounds soaking wet, pale as a ghost, that blonde almost, straw-like hair with the bright red lipstick. No thanks. And he's not exactly, uh, you know, a young Burt Reynolds either. With his stupid blue and white suit <laughs> coming into the game on Sunday and then leaving in his 
I guess his convertible, and they, they stayed out till 2 o'clock in the morning, and she was cheering when he caught the touchdown. And even Pat Mahomes, who was a gorgeous, gorgeous significant other, he's out there talking about Travis and Taylor if they're beating the Bears 41-10. So I'm sick of it already. I, I God, I'm sick of it. I don't care. And it gets worse. Are you ready, Lou, and known for this? You remember when Taylor Swift performed at MetLife Stadium here in New Jersey? I wasn't ready yet. Well, you got to get ready now. Oh, all right. When she performed here, the big story was the guy that was supposed to be the quarterback for the Jets, but he got hurt four plays in, Aaron Rodgers, went to the concert. Then you saw the video of Aaron Rodgers dancing to Taylor Swift, and at the time it was like, wow, Aaron really loves New York. He's going to Nick playoff games, Ranger playoff games, Taylor Swift, the whole thing, you know. So she was here not that long ago. Well, she's coming back because the Jets, and you heard Joe Beningo had that huge fight on air with Tiki Barber, courtesy of WFAN yesterday, where Barber walked out of the studio. And you heard Joe Namath on with Michael K, ESPN Radio, say they should trade Wilson to the Chiefs. We have a lot more from both uh, Joe and Joe later on in the show. Well, just so you know, the Chiefs are in New Jersey this Sunday to play the Jets. Is that unbelievable how this whole thing comes right back here? The struggling Jets with Zach Wilson, who I told Joe Beningo, you guys were here when he was yelling after they beat Buffalo, we're not dead yet, and we got a great team. I said, Joe, Zach Wilson can't win a high school game. That was my exact quote. So now two horrible losses later, and the loss to the Pats on Sunday was disgusting, as Joe Namath says. Now all of a sudden Beningo is speaking what I said three weeks ago. <laughs> but right or wrong, Lou? It took him two weeks. Yeah. That's all it took. I mean, I said he couldn't win a high school game. He's bad. So he's going to quarterback <laughs> the Jets against the Super Bowl champion 2-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs. They did lose week one at home to the Lions. They've won two straight since in pretty impressive fashion. So Taylor Swift will be back, I would imagine, at MetLife this Sunday for the Chiefs. Right now, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at the Jets. That's it? That's it. <laughs> Nine-and-a-half. Yeah. That's yeah. Go, that'll go up. I mean, you would think so. <laughs> Taylor Swift, I mean, God, who cares? Seriously. They all, Did you see they think she snuck out in a popcorn machine or something? Wow. Out of the – yeah, I saw it somewhere – I think it was in the post, but they think that she, they snuck her out of the box, oh, out of the place, in no. some popcorn. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. The whole thing is beyond. It's ridiculous. Enough. It's I mean, I understand she is. she's the biggest star in the world. I mean, and Doug Kisser thinks she's pretty but not hot. She's not even pretty. She's, she's nothing. If she wasn't worth all that money, she'd be another blonde Irish chick on Flappish Avenue that no one would pay attention to unless it was 4 o'clock in the morning and you were 10 Jägermeister shots in. But, <laughs> that's how that goes. All right, stop. But, um, but the, um, the, the other story around uh, Taylor Swift and the National Football League, of course, the Giants are also back in action. Monday night they'll take on the Seattle Seahawks. Not going to be a disaster. But uh, we'll move away from uh, Taylor Swift in the NFL for uh, for one second and get to the serious news. So you also heard in the open this Bob Menendez. Let me explain to you folks who don't follow politics 
And I know that, first of all, let me thank John Katsimatidis for filling in for me yesterday. John, I love you. Thank you. And I know he brought on uh, Andrew Cuomo. I know that because I was in Temple getting irate texts from my listeners. That's okay. It's his station. He owns it. He owns this show, quite frankly. And if he wants to talk to Cuomo, I'm fine with it. I wouldn't bring him on. We know that already. There's a couple of people that John brought on yesterday that I wouldn't bring on. But that's good. That's good. So when I'm out every now and then, you get a taste of somebody else. But um, Andrew Cuomo is a scumbag, and Bob Menendez is even worse. Let me tell you a story about Bob Menendez, folks. This is not about this latest story where he's taking cash from Egypt and other places and gold and all that. This story dates back to 2017, and this is why at the time, Noam, you remember this, me and Bernie were absolutely wild about a guy named Bob Eugen. Bob Eugen was running in New Jersey against Bob Menendez. He was a guest with me and Bernie a ton. I even had a bumper sticker on my door at Madison Square Garden, Bob Eugen for Senate. And it was mainly because as much as we liked Eugen, we knew what a lowlife Bob Menendez was. So let me read this to you. This is back in 2017. Senator Robert Menendez may have had sex with underage hookers in the Dominican Republic. Prosecutors. You remember this. This was a really big, sleazy story. It was only six years ago. Somehow Menendez skated from that. So this is not the first time this sleazy New Jersey low-life senator is in the news. Isn't that right, Noam? Yeah, well, the, you know, that first indictment on bribery charges, the trial ended in, mistri- in a mistrial. Well, which one was that, the uh, underage hookers? No, in 2015, it was all these others' charges. Oh, that's right. He had Back in 2015, it yeah. all started, even before the hookers. Right. So this guy, basically for eight years, eight years, has been in all kinds of trouble and making all kinds of money and stealing all kinds of money and living this extraordinarily glamorous life with his uh, girlfriend, who looks like a guy, by the way. My God. <laughs> God, is she gross. But uh, this guy's been doing this for a long time, Noam, no? Well, that's what the allegations. I mean, this crazy latest one is, you know, they search his home, they find gold bars, $500,000 in cash hidden in the house. <laughs> you can't make that stuff up. I mean, what kind of senator has a hun- half a billion dollars, excuse me, half a million dollars in cash? I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. And he's going to be okay? I mean, I know that most of the senators are asking him to step down. I mean, duh. But you got to step down at the very least. I mean, I know he's facing about 45 years in prison. Is that right? If he's convicted on all the charges, yeah, he would get about 45 well, years. Well, I hope he is bars. convicted on every single charge. I really do. And the guy is just a complete lowlife, Bob Menendez. I know that uh, Chris Christie, he was uh, talking. Well, they asked him, I guess, would he take that job? I mean, right now, Fat Chris is getting ready for that second presidential debate coming up tomorrow night on my beautiful wife Danielle's birthday out in California. I know you have that audio, uh, Noam, when uh, Christie brought up whether or not he'd be interested in replacing Menendez as senator in New Jersey. We've got it here. I've got it. Let let me play some of these to get back to you, Noam. This is uh, Chris Christie when he asked about running for New Jersey Senate Thank you, uh, Justin Ellick. This, Lewis, is cut number 30. 
I had a chance to appoint myself to the United States Senate in 2013. If I didn't appoint myself, the easiest way to get there, um, I sure as heck am not going to run for it. No, I have no interest in being in the United States Senate. And he follows up Chris Christie, uh, number 31, on the Menendez bribery case. $500,000 in cash stuffed in jackets and envelopes throughout their home, gold bars that have the fingerprints and DNA of someone who you were attempting to fix the system for. So here's Menendez, uh, quickly cut number four on these bribery allegations. He says a court of public opinion is no substitute for the justice system. He feels like he'll be exonerated. We'll just play uh, two of these, Lewis. You'll play Bob Menendez, cuts number four and five. Trust me, he's guilty. The court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. We cannot set aside the presumption of innocence for political expediency when harm is irrevocable. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution (laughs) to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Sadly, I know that. I recognize uh, this will be the biggest fight uh, yet, but as I have stated throughout this whole process, I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. Yeah, you're going to jail. Uh, So that's Bob Menendez's story. Now, I did also see yesterday, I wake up on a Sunday morning, and I love this um, CBS morning show. It is painfully liberal, painfully. And it's gotten worse. When my guy Charles Osgood was there wearing his bow tie every morning, God, I miss him. It wasn't all that bad. But since Jane Pauley, who I like, I like Jane Pauley, but uh, since she's taken over, it's really a brutal show, the aspects of the political stuff. Otherwise, I love the show. They do great interviews with bands and ball players. They have beautiful photography. They, uh, they'll show you at the very end, which they've been doing for years, a babbling brook or a river. It's a very peaceful, serene, tranquil way to start your Sunday morning, especially knowing full well that coming up is going to be Kristen Welker, Meet the Press, George Stephanopoulos, the ABC show, and uh, the lady that's on Face the Nation, which I did watch yesterday. I watched Mark Kelly, the senator from the congressman from Arizona, that jerk. So before that, I'd like to watch uh, Jane Pauley. She did a great story on the Talking Heads, and it was um, it was really good. We'll we'll actually uh, bring that up here later on today. But after that. I watched locally Marsha Kramer. You know who she is, guys? Yes. She's cool. I like Marsha Kramer. She's always been good. And she had Mike Lawler on the program. And Mike Lawler is going to join me coming up at 810, the pride of Rockland County, the great congressman Mike Lawler. And he was talking about the real possibility of a government shutdown, Kevin McCarthy, what that means to folks like you and I. Because a lot of my listeners are guys that I stole from Boomer and Geo, WFAN listeners who right now will be listening to the thousandth cut about Zach Wilson or the millionth cut about Daniel Jones or the Yankees not making the playoffs. I've got Christopher Mad Dog Russo stopping by today, so there's no reason to listen to Boomer. He'll never be dog. So instead, we're going to talk to Mike Lawler about something as serious as a government shutdown. When is the uh, the deadline, Norm? Is that Friday? It's October 1. Oh, October 1. And what day is that? Uh, well, today's the 26th. So. so it's Friday. 
No. no. Uh, 29th is, is Friday. So, Sunday, okay. I So guess. it's Sunday. Okay. Yeah. On a weekend, they've got the deadline, huh? As far as I know, there is no no deal even close. You have any, anything late on uh, the possibility of a government shutdown? Yeah, I mean, right now it looks like it's going to happen. The, you know, nobody's talking. So You know that Donald Trump wants the Republicans to shut it down. He, you got to love Trump. He's going to be in Detroit tomorrow and not compete in this uh, second debate, or participate, I should say. And he says Republicans should get what they want. But the truth is Donald Trump wants to get what he wants. And what is that? Part of this deal is to stop all these indictments and all these proceedings and basically let Trump go. That's what Donald Trump wants from Republicans in this new deal. Leave our front runner alone. What are the odds, Noam Layden, in your opinion, of that happening? Of him being left alone? <laughs> yeah, that's what Trump wants. He's like, shut it down. Yeah. My Republicans need to make sure they erase all these indictments and all this nonsense and keep me out of court and move on. I don't know that he's going to get what he wants. <laughs> you don't think so? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to love him for trying. Yeah, no? why not? Yeah. So we got seven uh, candidates That'll be out there tomorrow night at this second debate. You know who the seven are, right, Noam? I, I don't have a list in front of me, but I could kind of guess all seven. I'll tell you, Ron DeSantis, Doug Burgum, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Annoying Vivek, and uh, Tim Scott. <laughs> is, that his, is that his new name? Yeah, Annoying Vivek, <laughs> with his stupid smile, and God, he annoys me. <laughs> well, I just can't stand him at all. As long as he brings his wife around, who cares? Okay, she's not even that hot either. I don't even know who annoys me more today, Vivek or Taylor Swift. Oh, please. That can't be. Are you kidding? Yeah, no, that's how much Vivek annoys me. Wow. I mean, kidding? that's a lot. What if I play a tape of uh, Taylor Swift dancing at the Grammys to some rap group? She's no okay, idea who what, they are. Uh, Okay, and what if you start playing Vivek at the Iowa State Fair last month rapping to Eminem? That'll be worse. That's he terrible. did that. But is his wife in the background? I, I didn't see her. I don't okay. know. Is she hotter than Ron DeSantis' wife? Uh, no, that's a good call. Oh, one more I, thing about uh, football, too. I just, listen, I like this guy. He's a very talented guy. He's a handsome guy. I have nothing, nothing bad to say about Usher. But when was the last time Usher was relevant? And he's already done it. He's already done oh, it. Oh, yeah, right. So Jay Z, you know, so Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, gives Jay Z the job, no, Jay Z's job, no, of hiring the halftime show Jay, for the Super Bowl. Oh, I wonder who he's going to pick. So, when was the last time, I hate to say this, a white person? Now, you're going to see Justin Bieber up there. They'll throw a token white guy out there. But uh, last year, it was Rihanna. The year before, it was all those cop hating rap stars. Now you get Usher, who's a nice guy. I love Usher. Nice guy, talented guy. But is he relevant? Usher? I mean, I know you can't get Taylor Swift for every single thing, but my God, that's the halftime show? Jay-Z calls all of his buddies and goes, hey, here you go, Usher. I don't know. That's, Maybe it's just me. No, that's all there is to it. It's a 20-minute What's the most popular thing right now? There's no rock and roll anymore. You're no, it's over. Do you think Jay-Z is going to call Bruce or Bono? I mean, I saw Usher yesterday. He's like, well, the three greatest halftime shows I've ever seen were Michael Jackson. Um, I forget who the other two were. They're all black. They're all black people, obviously. Probably, I mean, probably the rap thing last year. No, he didn't mention the rap thing. Okay. He, he, it was Michael Jackson. It was, it was some throwbacks in there. It was Prince. Oh, Prince. Prince. He didn't, I was at that one, at that Miami, no, that in Miami. Yeah, that was Prince great. was great. Yeah. That was, was a rainy really night good. where Peyton Manning and the Colts actually beat the Bears and won the Super Bowl. But 
Usher? Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it, it, when do we become, is it 2001? It's just for kids. I mean, yeah. the halftime thing is done. It's, it's all it is. You know what? We're just old. That's yeah, what it is. Of maybe. Course. They're not That's appealing it. to us anymore. I'm not old. Let me tell you something. The last halftime show they gave uh, grief for was my girls, J-Lo and Shakira, rubbing up against a pole. Heard about that for weeks and weeks, how gross that was. But they were completely okay with a bunch of guys up on stage who want to kill cops. <laughs> Nobody complained about that. Let me get Shakira rubbing her vagina on a pole again, please. Thank no, you. Please, no. Let me give some, let me give some of that right there. Give me a Taylor Swift. Give me Shakira. Come on, baby. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Seven great guests. Obviously, a ton of topics. Your favorite morning show is back. Sitting friends in the morning. Exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. In the morning, 77 WABC. favorite talking head songs ever and she was hanging in the backyard taking off her dress talking heads and she was at 6 34 tuesday morning I told you earlier that i like to watch this uh, jane Pauley on sunday mornings been doing it for a long time because again i need some of that tranquility serenity on a sunday there's so much hate in the morning on television and god forbid you try to watch one of these football shows i tried I put on 9 o'clock in the morning the NFL Network and Rich Eisen, who used to be a great guy, Rich, turned into a complete asshole when he moved to Los Angeles and started working for the network. But him and Michael Irvin and Steve Mariucci and Kurt Warner, horrible. That's way before the local networks come on, like CBS with Sims and Esiason or Fox with Bradshaw, Strahan and Jimmy. That's the NFL Network. I couldn't watch it. Couldn't do it. So I um, I moved to uh, to Jane Pauley, and again, the politics are brutal, but they do these uh, great interviews. Anthony Mason, not the guy that played for the Knicks, but the uh, the reporter, who I think actually ended up getting the job on the CBS morning show with Gail King at one point, he interviewed Imus. Imus's very last interview was on that show, Jane Pauley's show, before he died in 2019, whenever it was. 
Maybe been 2018, I forget. But anyway, they did an interview with the band Talking Heads. And I like a lot of their music, a lot of it, Once in a Lifetime, and she was Psycho Killer, a bunch of songs. I know much about the band. I knew that David Byrne, the lead singer, was a really talented guy. He can dance. They had these crazy videos. And they made a quote-unquote rockumentary years ago, like the Rolling Stones did. What was the name of theirs? It was called, um, what was the Stones movie called? Let's Spend the Night Together, I think. Well, that was... A was long one of them time ago? Yeah, well, that was there. That was one of them, but I think the big one. They like, made, a f- made a couple, if you ask. You two had the great one, Rattle and Hum. Rattle that and was hum. a great movie. So there was one that Talking Heads made. No, look this up. I forgot the name of it. Stop making sense. Bang! Lou Rafino from downtown. Yeah, it was big. Stop making sense. And right after that came out, which is at the height of their popularity, they broke up. They just stopped, and. I don't know, this has to be 30 years later, 40 years later, and watching the four band members sitting together on stools doing this interview just this Sunday, the body language said they they still don't like each other. Like, whatever happened between the guitarist and his wife, who met in college in New York like 50 years ago and got married. He's the drummer. He's the drummer? Drummer and the bass player. That's who started Okay, thank you. Right. Jerry Harrison is the guitarist. Got it. And David Byrne. And Byrne, clearly there are still some issues, but they're back together, and they're going back on tour. Lots of bands. Even NSYNC is going back on tour. Instinct with fat Chris Kirkpatrick. No, we're there. You know, I knew Chris for years. I used to party with Chris at the Super Bowl. I could never hang out with Lance Bass or Justin Timberlake. But Joey Fat One, Joey Fatone, and Chris Kirkpatrick, I was with those guys all the time. So the Talking Heads are going back on the road, but they hate each other. And it was clear even this Sunday. But there's money to be made, Lewis. That's all there is to it. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. And he just did a, a great tour uh, two years ago, a great tour. He just did a great show, I heard. David Byrne? Yeah. By himself? Yeah, with his band. You know, with his band. He was on... Uh, Fallon and uh, those all those other shows, and it looked good. Those shows are coming back. If you don't know, the Writers Guild strike is over. And I guess, because I'm never up late at night, and if I was, I wouldn't watch it anyway. It's swill. But I guess these late-night shows, and daytime shows too, Drew Barrymore and Kelly Clarkson, they didn't have uh, new material because the writers were on strike. But that's over now which I don't care about because I'm an actor. I'm an actor. Please give me a break. But I have been in three different movies, and I want the actor's strike to end, too, because that affects me, not the writer's strike, because I know for a fact I have at least one, maybe two big opportunities once that thing is over. So selfishly, I'm waiting for the actor's strike to end. But I have to imagine it's got to be right behind the writer's strike. Wouldn't you think, Noam, that if the writer's strike is over, we're next? They're different issues, but the two sides have been talking over the last couple of weeks, so maybe it's going to happen, too. I think so, don't you? You know, but as of the last couple of days, there's been no official meetings on the books. But, yeah, you would think once the writer's deal is wrapped up that they would say, okay, let's get this actor's things done so we can start making TV shows again. Right. So one more before we get to the uh, the great guest list today, which includes Arthur Idala. He's coming up next. and. He's obviously not happy with something that Curtis Sliwa said on Friday. So we'll talk to Idala Sliwa, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, Mike Lawler, Rich Lowry, former police commissioner Bernie Carrick, and more. You know, in the open, it was only Bob Menendez in there and Donald Trump and Joe Beningo and Joe Namath and Tiki Barber. But we ended the open with a piece of audio that was on this show Friday. 
and for some reason, it bothered Lewis. Just so happens that on Friday afternoon, I was on the ferry with Lewis's significant other, MJ, didn't, accidentally. Didn't bother me. It bothered him. So it was okay. me, Danielle, Gabe, and MJ on the ferry on Friday, and MJ made a point. She said, boy, I got to tell you, that Kelly Whip interview was great, and she clearly likes you. <laughs> I swear to God, this is unprovoked. And I go, yes, that's all true. But for some reason, MJ, that seems to really bother your guy. No. Lewis got so angry when I referred to Kelly Ripper as a friend, he was, like, furious. <laughs> what was that? We have to go through your adjectives again. What words. was that reaction? What was that? No, that was prediction. That was all I was doing, was uh, predicting it. Yeah. Because people you cannot have predicted what she said. That was over the top. Maybe you forgot. In fact, uh, why not play it one more time? Why not? Kelly Ripper, shut up, Lou. <laughs> Kelly Ripper, cut number 29. Go ahead. Your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for a reason. Oh, my God. And you And also, you have, like, uh, the tonality. Uh, like, you know what you're getting right away. It's like, I'm Sid Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight, right? Like, that's what you're going to get. Oh, wow, that is earth-shattering. Wow. Yeah. You are friends. I mean, we're not Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey. We're both married. No, you don't stand at the Grammys dancing to a rap group that you have no idea who they are. Right. They don't do that together. She does a lot of that. Taylor Swift, doesn't she? Yeah. Okay. Well, wait till (laughs) the Grammys again. But don't try to change the subject. So (laughs) now that you heard it again, are you okay or are you still freaked out? I'm fine with it. It's great. I I, um, was blown away and uh, we've never heard anything (laughs) like it. Fantastic. You just hold her in some high esteem that I'm. Oh, my God. Come on. She's the queen of daytime television. She makes $23 million a year. Is that your What are you? Of course. It's all I care about. (laughs) If you're making big money, you're a star. I would debatably say, though, it's just as big of a deal that you're going to be getting dinner with Nigel Farage in London. What? You think so? There you go. Yeah. Why not? And this is really going to piss Curtis Sliwa off. I think me and the mayor are about to have oh, dinner, too. Oh, He's wow. going to be on this week. Yeah, you're in we had a, uh, you couldn't wait till after 7.05. We had a lengthy <laughs> conversation. <laughs> he actually, the mayor actually wished me a happy Yom Kippur yesterday, which none of you guys did. So there's one for Eric Adams. Happy, happy uh, Yom Kippur. You're, happy turn, Yom Kippur. you're turning into the gumball machine, <laughs> and you can't do that. Except nobody says happy Yom Kippur. Pretty, it's like the opposite of happy. I know. It's a miserable day, yeah. but at least he recognized it. None of you three scumbags said a word well, to I me. Well, I was too busy first, starving myself. Oh, first, of all, first of all, you're not supposed to be on devices yesterday, isn't that I'm not that it? type of Jew. Are you nuts? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's what it is. I have chicken parmesan day three of Passover. Okay. Reformed Jews. Right. We can do whatever we want. Right. I know what I'll do. I'll say. Happy Yom Kippur to him. <laughs> Pivot and shift, and we'll make up yeah. again. So he's well, tell us again. Wow. Yeah. Now, okay. first it's Kelly Ripper, now because Eric Adams. Thanks for the gumball. You got it. in some type oh. of way this morning. Very upset. <laughs> 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 Artie Idala's coming up next. Happy. And uh, Joe Nolan with traffic. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And get the max out of mini. I was told that Frank Morano said last night, my friend Lynn told me this, that there's a government shutdown. People will not get their Social Security checks. That's what Frank Morano said. I was told that is not true. That is not true. That people will still get their checks even if 
there's a government shutdown, but we'll find out. We'll confirm it with uh, Mike Lawler coming up at 810. Either way, this is uh, the other side of midnight. Frank Morano talking to one of the sleaziest attorneys God ever created, Jeffrey Lickman. How difficult is it to overcome the perception that everyone in the potential jury pool just assumes your client is guilty? You know, that's a good question, Frank. And as you know, I've been dealing with this sort of uh, difficulty since uh, the Gotti trial in 2005. And all my trials are like this. I don't get the cases, for whatever reason, I don't get the cases that are close. I don't get the ones (laughs) where you should win if you're a competent lawyer. I get the ones that the government goes to trial with because they're certain they can't lose. And these are the ones that I either win or get a hung jury, you know, 75% of the time. So I expect to go in there and have everybody hate my client. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. You're my best friend. 77 WABC. Slave to Love. I think the song was in the movie Nine and a Half Weeks when Mickey Rourke was still really good looking and Kim Bassinger in the rain, that one great sex scene. How old is Brian Ferry today? 78. Oh, don't tell me that. Lou, stop. That's pretty up This guy, Brian Ferry, almost 80. Give me some more of this. Slave to Love, Brian Ferry, Roxy Music. Unbelievable, almost 80 years old. All right, here's uh, Arthur Idala, the great, great, great defense attorney right there with Joe Tacopina. I think they're the two best in the world today. Arthur was listening on Friday when Curtis was going on and on. Curtis showed up Thursday night at Artie's office. Artie held a fundraiser for the mayor, Eric Adams. And uh, Curtis, my man, was outside with uh, one of those bullhorns and about 20 of his uh, rebels. He calls them rebels. And uh, they were all yelling and hollering, getting all crazy, you know. Then the mayor all fired up. But then Curtis said something during the conversation with which uh, aggravated Artie, which Artie said is not true. So Artie, being one of my dearest, dearest friends, I invited him on. So here he is, defense attorney Arthur Idala. Good morning, Artie. What's going on, brother? You know, I, I, we're like six months apart. So the music that you play, like, I think I have. In my house in Long Island, I think I have the Roxy Music album. <laughs> of course you do. I, I'm not joking. I think I had that album. Of course you do. It's Talk, great. Talking Heads. I saw them in concert. I'm in love with them. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> the music, your bumper music is spectacular, number one. Number two. You know, let me stop you for a second. You know how many people tell me that they're like, Sid, you're the best interviewer next to Howard Stern ever. I swear to God, I hear that almost every day. Your guests are great. We love the topics, the sports, the politics. But your music is good enough to listen every morning. So when you say that, it makes me happy because clearly the listeners out there really appreciate that. And me and Lou do take the time and thought with the songs that we play every morning. So thank you. No, no, it's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely part of the program, and especially what you do, what you just did. You're like, let it roll a little bit. Let it roll a little bit. I, I, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, the other thing I just want to let you know, and I know you're going to think I'm a little bit of nuts for doing this, but about 10 years ago, because I remember my son Luca was pretty small, I was invited to a break the fast meal, right, to break the fast did. And I'm thinking – you can't go to a break the fast meal if I've eaten all day long. So for the past decade on Yom Kippur, I don't eat. I do the whole fasting thing myself. I ate a meal with my family. I finished at 7 o'clock on Sunday night. And uh, I didn't eat a morsel of food until almost 8 o'clock last night. And you know what? Everybody should do that once in a while because I think it makes you appreciate uh, the way we live our lives. That you can eat anytime you want, drink anytime. Now, I did not. I didn't do the whole I don't brush my teeth. Right. I don't drink any water yeah, thing. Sure. Right. Yeah, I, but, you know, I, it was, yeah. no, it was I good. No, I know, I know, I know this is true uh, because Arthur sent me a text Saturday uh, wishing me an easy fast and a happy holiday. And he said, just so you know, just like you, I'm going to fast. So I knew you did this even before, so Artie's not lying. So as a Jew, we appreciate uh, you doing that with us. And look, you know, Italians and Jews were the same. Well, well you, know, you know what Batiscalco says? Same corporation, different division. <laughs> they got, he goes, they got breakfast. After that, they fall apart. <laughs> He's right about that. The great Good Sebastian Batiscalco. So what was it that, uh, that uh, Curtis said on Friday, which really ticked you off? Well, look, I, uh, Curtis is going to wind up in the Radio Hall of Fame, right? His whole theater of the mind and all of that stuff. And you know his shtick. And it's funny and it's entertaining, et cetera, et cetera. But there's that line. There's that line that you don't cross when you start telling, like, outright lies and when you start really impugning people's reputations. And what you just did in the last segment, uh, which is what you should do, is you corrected. You know, Frank Morano is, is very rarely wrong. And I say that with all sincerity. The guy is really smart dude. Um, but maybe he was wrong about the Social Security checks going out. And you do that as a uh, as a service to your listeners because people want to know the truth. And when Curtis comes on and he just says, like, just blatant, outright lies, you know, I was like, you know, I'm not going to let him just say that. Like, bundling, I mean, that, that bothered me. He's like, oh, I dollars out there bundling. But bundling means it's kind of like you go door to door and you're collecting money. And the people don't know the candidate. They don't fill out the forms appropriately. You know, what Curtis said was true. Like, if, if you're going to be a bundler, there's certain ways to do that. And, and you have to do it properly. I, there was no bundling going on. I invited people. They came. They met the mayor. There's a form there. They filled out the form. They made the payment. I never touched anyone else's money. I will tell you this, just to put your mind at ease about how um, – how much they're following all the rules. There was one person who I invited who came and he gave his check and he said, I have another check from my mother-in-law. And it was like a nice check. It was like a $500 check. 
And the young woman who works for Eric Adams' campaign, she said, no, I'm sorry, I can't accept it. Um, I need your mother-in-law either to be here or she's got to fill out the form, and I need her original signature on the form. So the guy said, okay, and he took the form, he put it in his pocket. On the form says where to mail the check, and he, he did it the right way. So they were like, so the, all this horse malarkey, number one, about me bundling is BS. Number two, and, and within my law firm, here's the thing that Curtis doesn't realize. You know, there's this thing called evidence. All of these donations are going to get put, are going to be filed with the city uh, board of elections, right, or the campaign finance board. No one in my law firm gave $2,100, which is the maximum, except me. Not one person. I didn't ask anyone to give money. All I did was I said, look, I think you guys should be here to meet the mayor. It wasn't really a hard ask. You know, Eric, he's very affable. He's very gregarious. He speaks very well. It's a fun, and it was a party. I did have some food and drink there. So um, I know one partner gave 500 bucks. I know another partner gave 200 bucks, so 250 bucks, and one associate gave money. I think for my whole law firm, there was four or five people that gave out of 25 people. So when Curtis comes on and says, I put the arm on everyone, I handed him $25,000. It's just all a lie. And then at the very end, as Eric was leaving, one of my partners wrote out a check for $1,000. And another one, female, said to me, I can't believe you made him give money. You know, he's a Republican. I go, I didn't make him give anything. I go, he did that after he heard Eric speak. And I said, come over here. And I, I had them confront each other. And he said, no, Arthur didn't ask me. She goes, but you're a Republican. And he said, yeah, but I like Eric Adams. I think of, I, I, I think he's doing the best he can, and I wanted to support the guy, especially after I heard him speak. So Curtis is just tell, and then he says someone came downstairs and spoke to him. That's all BS because everyone in my office, we hung out until like nine o'clock at night, hanging out in the building because you know, I had food and drink and whatever. So it's just like one lie after another lie after another lie. And Curtis and I have been on vacation together. Curtis and I hang out. He was at my fiftieth birthday party. It was, we had dinner at L&B Spumoni Gardens with, with Mayor Giuliani not that long ago and Dershowitz. You know, I just at some point, I'm like, OK, I got to I got to tell everyone who the, the literally thousands and thousands of people that listen to your show. Like sometimes you got to call BS on someone's shtick, even though it may be funny and entertaining, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, fair enough, and uh, you just did it. Now, the last 60 seconds, uh, uh, obviously, you had a conversation with Eric about me. We had not talked. I didn't realize this. Eric told me, the mayor, that it was uh, August 1st. No, he told me. August he, 1st. He, yeah. he looked at his phone. He goes, don't tell me I, I haven't returned Sid's call or Sid's mail. He goes, well, we haven't gotten in touch since August 1st. Right. But what but, but, uh, but he didn't tell you was that uh, he did say in that final text on August the 1st, you're going to hear from me and or Fabian Levy in the next couple of days because he want to come back on. Now it's almost five weeks later. I never heard from either one of them. So whatever you said to him, you did, uh, I guess, um, compel him or motivate him to send me a text. He sent me a very long text. And he wasn't very happy. He sent me a much nicer text yesterday. So it does look like the mayor will make his return to this show this week. In fact, he will, uh, probably Thursday well, or Friday. Uh, no surprise to you, I know. But um, I know you were there when, when, you, when you mentioned me, and I was just well, curious no, I, was, what his I, face I, looked was, like. For, for the record, I, it was more than mentioning you, dude. Like, we spoke about you. It wasn't like, hey, what about Sid? It was like, dude, what are you doing with Sid? I go, you really need the guy with the number one show in, in the whole country? like beating you up every day. And he's like, I goes, look, Sid's got issues with me. And, you know, but we conversed about it. Um, look, this is what I'm going to tell you, Sidney. You know, 
You don't need to be sucked down the Curtis Sliwa rabbit hole when it comes to Eric Adams. Justice Scalia. Oh, the other thing he said that was BS is I never had a fundraiser for Bill de Blasio. Did I write him a check? Yeah, I know Bill de Blasio since 1989, but I never had a fundraiser for him. But here's the bottom line. Justice Scalia, of all the politicians, he's the guy who I was the closest to. His best friend on the court was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's books written about it, okay? They could not have been any more opposite. I mean, you know, the way you say, I think Eric's doing a bad job. Scalia was not exactly very impressed with her ideology. Um, and he, his famous quote is, I don't dislike people. I dislike bad ideas. And a lot of good people have bad ideas. Yet the two of them and their families spent every New Year's Eve together, went on vacation together. So my point is, you and Eric could be best buddies, and you could tell him, Eric, I think you're screwing this up. I think you messed that up. I think you need to do this better. I would change this. Uh, you know, go with the constructive criticism. Go to Rikers Island, Eric. Do this. Change that. Blah, 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 blah. But in my opinion, for the sake of New Yorkers, you and the mayor of the city of New York, whoever it is, having an open dialogue, and you could bring him on the airways and, let, and cross-examine him, you're doing a service to everyone who listens to your show, and obviously that means you're doing a service to yourself. I agree, and that's why I maintain that relationship. I like him. I like him anyway, but I, I did maintain that relationship for a long time because I felt two ways. First of all, it's good to have a somewhat conservative, I'm, I'm liberal socially, but a, a, a somewhat conservative voice in his ear, and uh, I felt like I was speaking on behalf of my listeners and these folks in New York that feel that way, and certainly with the migrant issue right now, the illegals, uh, I think Eric needs to hear from somebody else besides uh, the yes people that he surrounds himself with every day. Not that you're one of them, Artie. You're great. I love you. Thank you very much for coming on this morning. Great appearance. We'll do it again soon, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. Thanks. Take dude. care. That's defense attorney Arthur Idala. little late, but that wraps up hour number one. And <laughs> you know it. I did this purposely. Artie Idala now. Coming up next, I'm sure he's got something to say about that conversation. Curtis Saliwa, our number two on this Tuesday morning. Sitting friends in the morning about to come your way. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, you just heard Audie Idala, and of course, uh, much of that conversation was directed at my next guest, who you also heard <laughs> some of his podcast moments ago. He gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon here on WABC. Big ratings on the weekends, too, when he hosts the overnight show, but arguably does his best work right here about this time, 710, 715 weekday mornings with me. He's the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sliwa. And uh, let me just preface, uh, start this conversation by saying that uh, even though a lot of people claim that Curtis Sliwa lies and blah, 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 and he does, all of us do, but um, to his credit, to Curtis's credit, I want to start with this before he starts leveling all my friends, to his credit, and I'll say this to anybody who's listening, the overwhelming majority of our conversations which annoy lawyers, politicians, you name it, overwhelmingly, I mean like 95%, Curtis has been right. Now, 
I'm leaving 5% where he's wrong. And I believe that Artie is right, that he was wrong about the bundling uh, accusation on Friday. But 95% Curtis Sliwa is right. With that said, here's Curtis. Kurt, good morning. Well, by the way, notice how he protected uh, the Mama Luke, Frank Morano. Oh, you're Frank. He's normally always right, right? Because uh, Frank well, kisses his butt. He did say that Frank was probably wrong there, though, and that you right, will get uh, Social Security well, checks. It. He kisses Frank's butt, and uh, Frank kisses but why? his butt. What, what is what? They is lip lock with one another. Here's the guy. First off, Arthur Idala destroyed the Friars Club, him and his consortium. They moved in. They revived the Friars Club. They said, oh, we're going to have comedy again. You know, First Amendment right of free speech. It's padlock now. So if you want to know about Arthur Idella's track record, think Harvey Weinstein and Friars no longer existing. But first off, let's straighten this out. I'm the righteous Gentile. You're dealing with two schmucks, two putzes who know nothing about the Jewish faith, although... Uh, in the case of Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, he loves Jews because your checks don't bounce. Happy Yom Kippur. Happy holidays. This is what Arthur Idella told you. This is the Day of Atonement. Well, There's meant, nothing well, happy that's about fine. the day. I don't This care. is like saying Happy Memorial well, it's Day. It's fine. He meant well. You get crazy about Happy Memorial Day, and I don't because it is a Happy Memorial Day because of the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice these men and women have. Shit. We get to go to the beach and party. You Shit. can say yeah. Happy Memorial Shit. Day. Shit. You're wrong I, about I, that. Put a You're spin wrong. on for your You're buddy, right? Uh, by the way, anybody who went to Poly Prep Day School, what kind of <laughs> yeah. a man's man are they? But put that aside. What? You failed to mention, yeah. you and Arthur Idala, that the one thing you have to give up, both on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur, is no sex. It's not not just you can't eat on Yom Kippur, you can't drink. No, you can have sex on Rosh Hashanah, you can't have sex on Yom Kippur. Uh, let me straighten you out, no. Mr. Uh, yeah. Mr. Jew. Yeah. You cannot. Yeah, you can. Rosh Hashanah, you can. Oh, Yom you? Kippur, you can. Did you? Did you? Did I have sex? Yes. Of course not. Okay. But not because I couldn't. So you, abs- you abstained, right? <laughs> well, no, it takes, it takes a, a partner to say yes. Yeah, oh, I see. <laughs> I see. But I noticed but, 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 but I'm not one of those Jews. I made it very, very clear. I'm good for a chicken parmesan on night three of Passover. I don't keep kosher. Oh, no, no. I don't you're, go to shul. You're a, I don't, I don't dive in with a minion every you're day. You're a BLT Jew. Yes. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato Jew. Yes. You would much rather have been born a Catholic with a crucifix no, no, and me, an Italian. Not true. Well, well, that's true. You're right. I do want to be Italian. But on a serious note, and I say this all the time, and my kids feel the same way. If you say something bad about the Jews to me, I will knock your effing teeth out. I am a proud Jew. I was in shul yesterday, davening during Yiska for my father who passed away. Did you repent? I did repent. Did you uh, do tashlik before I, that? I, I did just throw a, some bread in the water. Yes, yes, I did. I did. So I'm a proud Jew, even though I'm not the most orthodox Jew. Uh, so don't, uh, don't don't confuse the issue. Just because I'm not as religious as Heshi Organbaum doesn't mean I don't love my people, love my religion, and won't smash you across the face if you say something, not you, but something bad about but the you, Jews. You know what the Orthodox and Hasidim say about your kind of a Jew, right? What is that now? They'd, prov- they'd rather deal with me, the Goyim. <laughs> they'd rather deal with me, the Why Goyim. Why is that? Because you have forsaken all of the aspects of being Jewish, according to Orthodox, uh, and I see them. You well, know the internal battles. Well, I went to a shul yesterday. You ready for this? Yes. Where there was a woman on the bima 
I mean, you never see Uh that. I know a woman, Curtis, on the Bema, a young male and a young female. And most of the the service is done in English because it is a reformed temple. Of course, when it came to the mourner's prayer, Yiskadah, Yiskadah, was in Hebrew. So, again, don't look at me as the the, the head rebbe. That's not me. Let me tell you. But I'm a proud Jew. Let me tell you again, I've told this story many times. So my middle son, God is going to have his bar mitzvah. He is. Uh, no, he already had. Oh, he had it already. Uh, and it was at a conservative uh, synagogue. And I'm looking at the rabbi and the cantor, and they say, you know, you can't go up to the beamer with your son. Oh, do my checks bounce? Do I pay for the Hebrew school? Uh, do you, oh, the cantor says, yes. Uh, the rabbi says, we never had a problem. I can't go up no, to the beamer? because you got him. So I told their You're mother. You're you, you do the bar mitzvah in a reform synagogue. Yeah. I'm going up to the then, beamer. Then they don't care. Exactly. At, at the reform synagogue, they'll even put a plaque up right. in your And hand. now I have Hunter who's preparing, and yeah. I'm going to be up there at the beamer. But, but let's get me, back. Actually, Joanne told me yesterday, yes. lovely Joanne West End Temple in the Ponzi. Oh, I thought you were saying Joanne Ariola, no, who no. also called me a liar. She did. You're right about that. And she was and wrong. And Peter King. And she should apologize. And I go, let's go through the whole list of I everybody know. who's called me liars. And it been proven to be hopelessly wrong. But I was told that for $800, yes. I could put a plaque up Harvey H. Rosenberg yes. in the shul by next year. How school. much? How much? 800 Wow. It's recession, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, what's happened there? It's not normally, a bad deal. I know. It's normally it's over a, a thousand. I know. You know it's that. only five hundred bucks you pay to join for your the seat temple? there at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. No, that's, see, this is what you see. And not Jewish, you don't know this. Free. You can walk into a shul... Especially during Yisker. Not Rosh Hashanah, I'm sure they charge a fortune. This shul, for the year, charges the family $597. That's really cheap. Some of these shuls, hi, hi, they 18, are... 18, yeah, 36, 36, they 36 to 72. Hi, hi, hi. Anybody can walk into Yisker and Davin for free. Okay, well... Now, wait a second. Are you going to apologize to Arthur Idala? Yeah, you clearly... Can... You lied! Arthur Idala can put his lips on my left cheek since he has his... Lips hermetically sealed on Eric Adams' right cheek. Let me mention this to you. I'm married, as you are, to a lawyer. You're married to a lawyer? Yeah, Nancy. Oh, right. I love, by the way, I love Nancy. When you say I'm married, I gotta figure out which one of the six. <laughs> five. Been, oh, it's only five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she went to Brooklyn Law. That's a great school. I said, well, she's still paying that off, I might add. Yeah. Uh, Why? Did Joe Biden say no more loans? No, no, remember, that was repealed. That was repealed. (laughs) Uh, So I said to Nancy, they teach you how to lie in law school. She said very proficiently. In fact, we can argue both sides of a case with vigor, with passion, as if we believe, as if we actually believe the crap that we're saying. So you're going to believe a liar for hire. This guy, Arthur Idella, like all lawyers out there, gets paid to lie. You saw him in the Harvey Weinstein case, right? Uh, this is unfair. And then he gets the state Supreme Court judge, James Burke, deep frock, knocked off because he didn't like the way the state Supreme Court judge talked to him. This was a guy appointed by Rudy, one of the few law and order judges left. And he went to his very dear friend, your friend, that crook, Frank Caron. He said, I want him. I want him deep frock. No, 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 no. You, you started off. Okay, by saying, my friend, you don't need that extra noun there, so take that out, please. Yes, no, no. my friend, Frank, Anthony, and Joseph, I love all three of Yeah, but they knocked him off the bench because what? he disciplined <laughs> only the other By the way, this is the same guy who comes on your show. 
in order to get cred with Eric Adams at City Hall and says, oh, I've been down in the subway. It's so much better down there. Huh? What? Well, I don't, maybe that's his experience. I don't see any motorcycles <laughs> and Vespas huh? and motorbikes outside of the Roosevelt Hotel. He was around hotel. the corner, Curtis. And Chris Mullen's sister-in-law <laughs> went berserk and said, what is this guy, Mr. Magoo? Is he blind? He was around the corner. It's a very, very easy explanation. And then he was he on said, the wrong block. And then he said he volunteers. This shows you how stupid guys are who go to poly prep day school because he volunteered this. Oh, I never hosted a fundraiser for Bill de Blasio who single-handedly destroyed our city. I gave him a contribution. Well, he oh, oh, I see. <laughs> so you just help people who destroy the city, well, Arthur I. Well, I and I was never at an event with Dershowitz. He said I was there with Rudy Giuliani and Dershowitz. Hey, Arthur Idella, you're Mr. Magoo. Clean your glasses. There is no way that I was at an event with Alan Dershowitz, and you know why I wouldn't be at an event with Alan Dershowitz. Why? Guy tried to sue me. Alan Dershowitz? Yes. Well, you deserved it. Oh, yeah, because he said I was lying. Whatever happened to that lawsuit? Mm. Oh. Oh, I don't mm. know the specifics of this, but clearly you were lying. Oh, so let, let me get this straight, Sid. He calls me a liar. No. Who do you think the people are going to believe? A liar for hire somebody who's a... Who is a top gun, gets paid a lot of money to go into court and lie? Or Curtis Sleeve, who's been right, according to you, 95% of the well, time. to be honest, it's more like 98%. According to John Katz, <laughs> Matitas, right, more right than wrong. And by the way, let me mention, yesterday you didn't like Andrew Ibelash Como. No, I don't care. Listen, I make it very clear. When I take a day off... First of all, I really appreciate John Katzmatidis filling in. I really do from the bottom of my heart. I don't care who he puts on. Now, I would never put Andrew Cuomo on this show, but there are people that may want to hear it. So, good, John puts but him on when I'm not here. At the end of his conversation oh. with John Katzmatidis. Did he set himself on fire? No. Damn. He actually complimented you and me. Listen. Oh, listen, me. listen. Stop. I think you're going to need people, people, neighborhoods. Life is happening in Brooklyn with Floyd Benefield, by the way. They're up in arms, and I need that. I think you're going to need the people's anger to resonate to get the politicians to move. They taught us in high school the politicians lead and the people follow baloney. Not anymore. The people have to lead, and the politicians will follow. I never heard my name once. No, and he didn't mention my name. Right. But, but that's our philosophy, he said. That's, the, that's what we yeah, say but, at but these he, rallies. He, he can't even bring himself. That is our philosophy, which I give you the credit for, not him. But he can't even bring himself when he says the, when he says the people, who are the stars of those three rallies? Not Joanne Ariola, not the stupid uh, Stacey Amato, not even our friend Jamie Williams. The stars were Curtis Lee and Sid Rosenberg, but Cuomo, because he's such a prick, can't even bring himself to saying our names. So I, I appreciate that he, in, he shares the same philosophy, but once again, a coward, a coward move by Andrew Cuomo. And this is what Arthur Idala's friends are doing now. Eric Adams has realized that I am the opposition. I am the leader of the rebels. So when I go to rallies now to yeah. stop the migrants, now all of a sudden I'm met with a chorus of these young socialists, friends of the Democratic Party, who greet me like this. Hey. <laughs> 
You know, this is better than sex. Oh, so good. Curtis, go home. So, all, all the so Democrats good. are there. They've all been sent there by Eric Adams and his associates. I was there in Riverdale with your Alta Cajas. I used to live at the uh, Century Building in Riverdale. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. Well, all the Alta- I used to play tennis downstairs and uh, what's his name? Uh, David... You actually know him. He uh, he does work with our sales team. I forgot his last name, but I love living there. Well, let me tell you, I met Willie Mays up there. He lived up there. The Russian embassy was up there. Mario Biaggi lived up there. Herman Badillo, I met them all up there. It was great. I tell you, I was there for the Altacacas because they're having a migrant Senate jammed down their throats. Yeah, but where were the folks? I know where you were, and it was on TV. 238th and Waldo. I saw it. I saw you and all your guardian angel folks out there, but... I didn't see Ray Kelly. I didn't see Rudy Giuliani. Where were the popular Manhattan College graduates? No, no, they were backing Manhattan College, which had sold that building, the former, well, call it a barracks. Wait, it looks... they, they backed Manhattan College? Yes, they, they did. They were against you? They lobbied me here. No, they're very nicely. Ray Kelly and the president and vice president came, hey, it's not our problem. It's this nonprofit that we sold the building to for $18 million. And so Nancy, a lawyer who knows how... L- lawyers lie authorized now because she was straightened that way, did the deep dive on this group Stag. And guess who worked for Stag, who are now screwing the people of Riverdale, who said it was going to be a ho- ho- it was going to be housing, permanent housing for the elderly, homeless, and veterans. And now they've doubled their dollars with Eric Adams at City Hall to turn it into a migrant center. Adolfo Carrion, who worked for Stag for like 10 years, the former borough president of the Bronx, where do you think he works at now in charge of housing and preservation for Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan? Follow the money. They stab you in the back. Call me a liar. Call me a degenerate liar, Arthur Rydala, and I will be in every neighborhood exposing how Eric Adams is selling us out. He's now going to spend another billion dollars for hotels. Who's getting the kickbacks? You say contracts, Arthur Rydala, with Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, and I say kickbacks. And let me tell you, you can't stop me. Arthur Idella has no way to stop me. Joanne Ariola couldn't stop me. Peter King couldn't stop me. My Republican Party can't stop me. The Democratic Party can't stop me. Because, as Cuomo said, this is a people's movement. And we don't trust any lawyers. And we certainly don't trust any politicians. Because they sell us out time and time again. Stick that where the sun don't shine, Arthur Idella. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. And now, Sid and Friends in the Morning presents How Does Sid Rosenberg Make You Feel? Here's Joe Pesci on How Sid Makes Him Feel. How the hell do you think you make me feel, you f***ing moron, you f***ing idiot? Are you kidding me? I worry about you, Sid. I worry about you. Are you stuttering, stupid p***? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I can't believe you fall for anything, you stupid p***. Yeah. It's Pesci. I'll see you in your Gemini lounge. Yeah, go on about that some more. That's Pesci. I'm out. This has been How Does Sid Rosenberg Make You Feel on Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC.
today a happy birthday or a happy heavenly birthday to the adorable Olivia Newton-John. I don't remember. I think it's her birthday today, right? Yes. She would have been what? So sad she died. 75. 75. She was adorable. Sandra D. Grease here with uh, John Travolta. Nice to hear from Joe Pesci and Bill O'Reilly. To see you folks know, Killing of the Witches, the newest of that amazing killing series, Every one of them a bestseller for Bill O'Reilly. Killing the Witches comes out today. That's right, folks. Today. So go buy that book. Bill will be on tomorrow and Thursday this week, twice, coming up at 7.40 a.m. tomorrow and 8.40 on Thursday. And why is that? Because he gets huge ratings. That's why. So Bill O'Reilly, Killing the Witches, comes out today. Had a great show already with both Arthur Idala and Curtis Lewa. But coming up next, if you followed my career, one of my uh, good buddies, co-worker of mine, came on right after me when I was hosting the midday show with Jody McDonald and Joe Beningo between 2000 and 2005 at WFAN, part of that legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination. Christopher Mad Dog Russo is coming up next. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I hear the sound of your guitar. Coming from the little Bruce Springsteen from my man Chris Russo. Before I get to Doggy, quickly, i got to tell you, I saw a movie this weekend which the critics hammered, and it was great. It wasn't good. It was great. Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro, Ben Affleck as Phil Knight, Chris Tucker was terrific in this movie. You had Bateman was great in this movie. Viola Davis played Michael Jordan's mom. The name of the movie is Air. It is a great movie. I don't care what the critics said. It is great. The whole deal, you, you see the whole deal, how Nike got Jordan coming out of North Carolina when he was ready to sign with Adidas, and Converse also made a huge push. At the time, Nike was third, bottom third in market share, but this guy, Sonny Vaccaro, played by Matt Damon, made this unbelievable push, had Applex guy Phil Knight spend all the money on Jordan, and you know the rest, $162 million in sales year one when Jordan was a rookie in Chicago. Folks, go see it. By the way, it looks like the mayor, Eric Adams, will be here on Thursday. I'll confirm that later on this morning. My next guest is the best ever, bottom line, best ever sports talk show host. Has his own show for years on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Unleashed, part of that legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination at WFAN. Great TV show, High Heat, on the MLB Network, and is also terrific with Stephen A. Smith, ESPN on Wednesdays. He is... The legend, Chris Mad Dog Russo. Chris, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sydney. And you are a thousand percent right. I don't know what critic knocked the knocked air. That's a very, very good movie. You can't pay attention to critics; they're lost anyway. Uh, if anybody, I saw it twice. That movie was a hell of a movie. Damon was great. Bateman was superb as the marketing guy. That's a uh, that's not good. That's a hell of a movie. I don't even know critics knocked it. But, again, I pay no attention to critics with movies. They're lost nine times. I don't know what they watch half the time. That was an entertaining, fun movie. My kids loved it 100%. 
So there we, we start there. And we what a great uh, uh, timepiece too, the era, the music, oh, right? The way they dressed, right? And then, and then I got to tell you, it was great too, Chris. I forgot, I don't know what his name is, but the guy that played uh, David Falk, the agent, he was great too. He was good. He was, he was a little too much. He was a little too predictable with the agent because they made him out to be a terrible guy. Right. Uh, but right. you don't see Jordan's face once. Uh, I thought the father was good. You write about Viola Davis, the speech that they had on a couple of occasions, him and Dame, she and Damon. Um, uh, Affleck did a great job as Phil Knight. It's a, uh, what critic knocked that? Wait, All of them. Lost? All of I them. I didn't see that. Yeah, they Jeez. killed it. And in fact, oh, they don't know. These critics are lost. They don't <laughs> they, they, you know, I mean, uh, the one thing you pay no attention to is movie critics. Zero. Because they don't know what the average fan wants to watch. You pay no attention to what they have to say. That's what yeah. I said. I, afterwards, I was like, wow, what a great movie. So I'm glad we agree on that. So we, uh, we're down to the last week of the baseball regular season. Some exciting races in terms of wild card races. I mean, the Mariners are still alive. The Marlins are still alive. Cincinnati's still alive. We know the uh, division leaders, Baltimore, Minnesota, and Texas in the AL. The Braves, 100 wins. The Brewers and the Dodgers in the NL. But the big story here is... The New York Yankees, no playoffs. In fact, in fact, are playing this week, Chris, just to make sure they play better than 500 baseball. Do you fire everybody after this season? Well, listen, I would make a change uh, myself if I was running the team, uh, and I would make it for the simple fact that Cashman's been there too long. And Cashman's a very, very good GM. He'd get a job in five seconds, but 25 years is too long. That's, uh, that's all there is. Nobody has a job. Branch Rickey didn't have a job for 25 years. Ed Barrow didn't have a job for 25 years. George Weiss didn't have a job running the Yankees for 25 years. 25 years is way too long. That's just all there is to it. Is it Boone's fault? No. Is Boone Miller Huggins? No. Is Boone a top <laughs> 10 manager in baseball? No. And you can argue that a top 10 manager should be the guy managing the Yankees. I mean, you think about top 10 managers – Bochi, Francona, Snitker, uh, Cora, I mean, he just isn't. Buck, he, uh, he's not on that level. Uh, and, you know, you can wonder why the Yankees have a manager who's not a top-ten guy in the, in the sport, but it's not his fault. Uh, as far as the Cashman thing, and I like Cashman. He's done a hell of a job. He's just been there too long, 25 yeah. years running yeah. a team. Too long. I mean, my God, yeah. enough already. And I don't <laughs> want to hear about the idea that, you know, they've been good for so long and consistent. They got the highest payroll in the sport, for crying out loud. Sure, they should make the playoffs every year. Tampa makes the playoffs every year with a ninety million, with a $70 million payroll. Milwaukee makes the payroll every year, uh, pay, playoffs every year, and they got a $90 million payroll. So the idea that we're supposed to do um, uh, throw bouquets at Cashman because the Yankees are a postseason team. They got a $250 million payroll, for crying out loud. They should be in the playoffs every year. But again, uh, uh, nobody's, nobody's sitting that he's not a good manager. He's a hell of a uh, GM. He's a very, very good GM. It's just that it's, uh, the, the statute of limitations is up 25 years. Try somebody else, Hal. Please. <laughs> yeah. Get somebody else in there just to change it up a little bit. Make it a little different. I agree. That's the problem I have with the Yankees. You know, That's you taught me so many things over the years at the fan, and one of the things you taught me, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I remember uh, one summer day, Tony La Russa sitting in studio with you. Uh, I know you're one of your friends, very popular author, wrote a book about one of his series when he managed the Cardinals in Chicago. I should know the guy's name. I forgot yeah, it. I'm, uh, a binger. Yes, oh, very binger. good. Buzz Bissinger, right. And then, uh, you know, you had a great relationship with Tory over the years, with Mike and all these managers. And I remember once you said to me, Sid, the truth is, the truth is, 
the manager only makes a difference of about seven to nine games. And again, if you didn't say this, correct me. And I've been saying that for years that the manager is not, you know, Joe Torrey, who won four World Series, if he had the same roster as Aaron Boone this year, would probably have the same lack of success. Did you not say that once, a manager yeah, seven I, to ten? That's what Earl Weaver used to say. A manager makes a difference five or six games a year. It's funny about the managers. The managers of a 162, they got to set the tempo. They got to be the messenger for the GM in the front office. They got to keep the, uh, the clubhouse, you know, sort of on an even keel. So, and Boone does a good job with that. The problem that Boone has is that when you get into postseason play, that's when a manager who doesn't make a fortune, that's where the manager can kill you. Because his moves, uh, how he handles his pitching staff, that's where a manager can kill you. And you can't manage in the postseason the same way you manage in a regular season with your rotation. Kevin Cash is a perfect example with Blake Snell against the Dodgers in Game 6 of the World Series there a couple of years ago. Uh, I think Council has uh, you know, taken his starters out in way too quickly in many a game in big spots because they managed the, the postseason in the same way. You know, pitch clock, third time through the lineup, all that nonsense. And then they realize, you know, when you keep on going to that bullpen in do-or-die games, you're sooner or later going to find a guy who doesn't have it, and then you're dead. Look at Dusty. He lets his pitchers pitch. I mean, Verlander pitches, Valdez pitches, won some championships. I know Snickers had a very good bullpen. He's gotten away with it. But I think sometimes when you run to your bullpen too much in postseason, as managers do over 162, that's when you get killed. And, you know, Boone has – let's be honest about Boone. And everybody loves him. Boone's been here since 2018. Okay, they fired Girardi after a game seven in Houston uh, and, and where they may have cheated. And in 2018 on, Boone has never played, never managed in a game seven of a, uh, of a ALCS. He's lost to Houston twice. He, he, he's lost to the Red Sox twice. He lost to Tampa. And if you're managing the Yankees, you've got to win those kind of series once in a while. And Boone hasn't done it. That's mm. the reason why mm. I don't think Boone mm. is on that level mm. where the great manager is. I mean, again, you can find 10 managers in the sport without any issues whatsoever who are better than uh, Dave Martinez is a better manager. Than oh, that, 100%. No, I totally and, agree. And, that's the, and yep. do you want to sit there and look at the way Dave Martinez managed against uh, Houston in 19 World Series? I mean, Strasburg pitched, for crying out loud. Stayed in the game and pitched. And don't tell me that's the reason he got hurt, because it isn't. No, it's not. Stayed in the game and he pitched. Right. And they won. They won a title. Yes, they did. Uh, and managers think that they can do it the same way. And look at Bochy. Uh, you want me to go through Madison Bumgarner with Bochy? They won three championships, for crying out loud. That's how you win. And the managers today don't understand that that is not – that you can't do it the same way. As far as Cashman goes, again, you know, you want to kill him because Stanton has lost it. Uh, and, you know, concussion for Rizzo and, and LeMay, who looked old for half the year. I don't know, Don. You can kill him for Hicks. You can kill him for Donaldson. No, no questions about it. But nobody thought that the Yankees – would be this bad this yeah. year. And, again, uh, if you're a house time burner, you got to say yourself, hold it now. This guy's been here for 25 years. We've been to one World Series with the highest aggregate payroll in the sport since, you know, since forever. And he's been to one World Series since 2009. That's 14 years. I mean, he hasn't been to a World Series. Not one. He hasn't been to one since 2009. i got to make a change for change sake. That's what I would do. If I was running a no, I agree. I'm not going to do it. I know he's not. But before I get to Zach Wilson and the Jets, 
there is the school of thought, and I remember yelling about this when I was working with you with the fan that if they get rid of Steve Phillips, you got to fire Bobby too. That you got it's got to be the both of them. You got to start That's over fair. with a brand new regime. No, yes, you're right. If you replace Cashman, Boone would be gone, 100. percent Okay, yeah. so you're you're okay with that? If Cashman's out, Boone's got to be out. Yes. Okay, they're, new, they're new regime. Together. Okay, uh, Mets quickly, no changes. Great year last year, 100 plus wins. A horrible year this year, but you got to bring back Buck for year three. Yes, absolutely. Buck deserves it. It's not his fault. Um, I, if Buck doesn't come back, it's a crime. Buck definitely deserves to come back next year, 100. percent Now I had Beningo on this show a couple of weeks ago. I actually sent you the audio, and we got into a screaming match. The Jets had just defeated Buffalo. It was a big win, overtime win. The defense looked great. He came on the show the next day, and I. Said, said, hey, that's a great win last night, but you're done. What do you mean we're done? we got the best defense in football. We can run the ball. we got great special teams. And I swear to God, I can play you the cut. I go, Joe, Zach Wilson couldn't win a big game in high school. He is just a horrendous quarterback. He's one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. And eventually, that catches up you. So yesterday, in your old spot, Joe Beningo starts yelling what I said to him two weeks ago at Tiki Barber to the point where Tiki walked out of the studio. I'm not sure why it took Beningo two weeks to figure it out. But come on, dog, you know this. Zach Wilson is not an NFL quarterback. You can't win with this guy. Well, listen, uh, he does not get the blame in the Dallas game. That defense was awful. Uh, comparing that defense as some of the guys did to the 85 Bears that we aspire to be, that is a disgrace. I mean, so, so that bothered me with the defense. But, listen, I, I can't defend him. Uh, I think they're blaming Wilson and everything but the Kennedy assassination. And then you got Joe Namath piling on. I mean, geez, really, Joe? Can you maybe not say anything? Give him a break? Um, so, I mean, listen. Yeah, but you got to uh, know that the, the Joe, for the better part of 50 years, has said nothing. So yeah, now you can imagine. He's killing it. I mean, I, I mean, again, if you want to knock the Jets, go ahead and say that they should have gotten a better backup than Wilson once they brought Rodgers in here. But I don't care who they would have brought in here. There's not a good backup. They wouldn't have won anyway. So the idea that they would have found a backup quarterback to do what, go 9-8? and eight? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they had aspirations to win a championship. And once, in fact, he goes down in that Buffalo game on a fourth freaking play, and that offensive line, by the way, stinks. Once he goes down on that fourth play, uh, you know, the Jets season was theoretically over. I thought, like Joe, that they'd be a little better. I did not think they'd be this inept offensively. They can't run the ball. The game plan, Hackett stinks. I mean, anybody who thinks Hackett's some big coordinator needs their head examined. He was awful with Denver. He didn't get Wilson organized. Look at Peyton's done with Wilson. He's played well. And, of course, uh, you know, Green Bay had Rodgers. I can, I can freaking be the coordinator with Rodgers. He's an all-timer. Uh, he, uh, can you allow him to throw the ball once in a while on first and ten? You can't play 2023 football around your quarterback where you sort of try to win the game and bypass him. It doesn't work that way. I mean, it's a quarterback-friendly league. You have to have a quarterback. You've got to take some chances with him, and the Jets don't. And as a result of that, it's a disaster. So, uh, listen, I can't defend him. You want to sit there and bring, try to get Matt Ryan. He's not coming here, by the way. Catalan's a buddy of mine. He says Ryan loves the job, what he's doing right now. So he's not coming. You want to try to snare Taylor Henneke, Tyler Henneke from the old Rich Washington quarterback? All right, you know, I mean, it's not like Andy Dalton, you want him? Uh, you know, you're not getting a backup quarterback. So, theoretically, despite the fact that I was with Joe, I thought the Jets would be a little better, and now they're going to be, you know, 6-11. and 11. I thought the Jets would be a better team, too. I thought they'd hang in there and be competitive, and it looks like I'm going to be wrong. So, I'm not, I don't want to get on Joe there, because I was on his, not, probably not as loudly, 
but I was on his side. Oh, really the, was. the Jets should have kept Mike White. I said it at the time, yeah, and he's a, he's a nice anyway. player, doing a good job yeah. backing up two in Miami. He's a, he's a better player than Zach Wilson. Yes, he is. That's yeah. a good point, Justin. Yep. Uh, I think they could have kept White. Now, White may have had aspirations to be a starter, and maybe White wouldn't have stayed because he knows Rodgers would have played and Tua gets hurt a lot, so he figured it's a better opportunity. But you're 1,000% correct. They probably should have kept White. You're right about that. In the final 60 seconds on Mad Dog Unleashed today. I got the total at three and a half. Three and a half, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, over or under. You ready for this? Yep. <laughs> the I mean, tight end for the Chiefs. And, oh, of yeah. course, his girlfriend. How many mentions oh, God, I can't does she it. get today, over or under three and a half? I did under. not mention it yesterday. I mean, I know the world cares. I, I could care less. I mean, and, you know, if somebody told me yesterday, if you barely, if you barely, barely dated somebody, you're going to watch the game with, with his mother? I mean, when I when I was with my lovely wife Jeannie, I didn't tell her I didn't meet my parents with Jeannie and vice versa for months for crying out loud. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second date, hey, why don't you watch the ball game in my suite with my mother? What? I'm not doing that. So, I mean, I'm not sure. It's a little weird to me, but I can't get into it. I'm sorry, I can't. I mean, I'm. I know Fox got a kick out of it. They had a lousy game, so what? And he caught a touchdown pass. And I'll tell you, that's a good point. The games, there's too much. The NFL's got too many mouths to feed. Thursday night, CBS Sunday at 1 and 4. Fox Sunday 1 at 4. NBC, uh, let's throw ESPN in and give them a couple of games back-to-back weekend. There's not enough good teams. Yeah. I mean, uh, and by the way, don't forget, don't forget about the other one, which was, it was on Channel 5 locally because the Giants were playing. But you've got Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, and uh, my girl Kaylee on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it, it, there's too many. There's too many. There's not enough good teams. So you want to look at the Sunday four o'clock, Dallas at Arizona, the Bears and Carolina Seattle. Oh my God, that is. I know that Arizona won, but yeah. beforehand, were you into any of those three games? I mean, they have way, way too many mouths to feed. Yeah. And I will tell you right now. They're going to flex out of those Jet games like you wouldn't believe when they get a chance to. No, I agree. They're not showing the Jets to America later in the year with Zach Wilson or, you know, Tim Boyle, a quarterback. You can promise. Well, people do care because after taking the Broncos plus the points and the Jets plus the points, they lay the points with Seattle. That's why they care. (laughs) That's all it comes down to, the betting fantasy and everything else. But, no. Original point, I can't get into Kelsey, and I can't get into Taylor. All right, Taylor Swift. Hey, uh, Doggy, we're going to do something nice uh, for Bernard on October the 5th. October the 5th marks one year to the day that uh, Bernie passed away. And, of course, October 5th, huh? Yeah, we'd love you to be here for that uh, call in, I should say. So uh, thank you for this. Let me know. You know I love Bernie. Let me know. I know. I love you, too, Chris. Thank you. This was great, buddy. Thank you so much. You got it. The best. The best ever. Christopher Mad Dog Russo, folks. Check him out on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Unleashed. High heat on the MLB Network. And, of course, alongside Stephen A. Smith, Wednesdays on ESPN, my man Doggy. Not even close to being done, only halfway through. We're going to talk to Mike Lawler about the possibility of a government shutdown and chaos in D.C. Mike Lawler is coming up after knowing with the news.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. CBS Morning Show yesterday, and they're going to tour again now. They have been in talk for like 25 years, but they are a great band, and the lead guy, David Byrne, is really talented. So when that show was over, I was looking for some type of programming. I tried to watch the NFL pregame show I told you earlier, the one on the NFL Network with um, Eisen, Mariucci, Michael Irvin, Kurt Warner, complete swell. I mean, just complete and I find myself um, sticking around with CBS, and my friend Marsha Kramer came on. She's got a show like Bill Ritter. You know, Bill does that show on ABC every Sunday morning. And Bill, uh, you know, Bill frustrates me. He's one of those guys who one day I like and one guy I can't stand. Uh, just, just the way he is. And I think the name of his show is Up Close. And I think Marsha's show was The Point, I think. But she had Mike Lawler on on Sunday, and he was great. So I texted Mike, and I said, man, what a great TV performance on a Sunday morning. He probably taped it. And, um, and then I invited him on this show. So he's the pride of Rockland County, the great congressman, Mike Lawler. Mike, good job yesterday, buddy. Very good. Sunday. Thank, thank you, Sid. Appreciate it. Was that taped or was that live? Uh, it was taped on Friday. I, I landed at uh, Newark, drove into the city, and uh, taped it with Marsha. She's pretty cool. I mean, do you know her? I, I like Marsha. Oh, yeah. No, Marsha. You know what? She's one of the toughest but fairest reporters. She's not looking to get you, but if you if you lie to her or you mislead, she's going after you. Yeah. And, uh, she does a great job. She does. Let me start with Menendez before we get to government shutdowns and the chaos in D.C., this guy's been a scumbag forever. I mean, he got in trouble in 2015. Then, of course, the story broke in 2017. They alleged he was having sex with underage hookers in the Dominican Republic. Now you've got this story, and there's no way he can explain away gold and a half a million in cash. This has been going on for 10 years with this lowlife. Why don't we to come to the realization enough is enough, and when is this guy going to resign or get kicked out? He, he should have been convicted six years ago. Uh, I, I think it is shameful that he's been uh, allowed to stay in, in public office uh, during that time. Uh, and obviously, uh, he couldn't help himself. Uh, you know, I mean, his explanation the other day that, you know, I'm Cuban and I was worried about confiscation of funds. That's why I had gold bars and cash. <laughs> Stop. I, I mean, really? <laughs> that's that's the best explanation you could come up with? Um, look, it, it, that that uh, indictment reads like a horror show. And I think what is deeply troubling is the fact that he's the chair of foreign affairs. Uh, but, 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 but he did step down from those positions, right, from the chair position? Or am I wrong? He, he did after he was indicted, but but only because the Democrat uh, rules uh, require it within their conference. But, 
you know, he stepped down the last time he was chair and then and then he came back after he was, uh, you know, a hung jury. Uh, so but but what's disturbing about it, Sid, is is the chair of foreign affairs has certain authority and power to approve, uh, you know, uh, military equipment sales, uh, different types of deals that our admit our government enters into with foreign governments. And so um, the fact that he seemingly uh, abused that authority, used that power uh, to enrich himself uh, is, is deeply disturbing. And, and I mean, it, it just reads like an episode of The Sopranos, as has been said by many, you know, gold, gold bars and cash. And the best part is, you know, he stuffs it in his jacket with his name on it. I know. His name is actually on the jacket. I know. His own name. Uh, any national security concerns about what he did or didn't tell Egypt? Well, that's that's the question. And, you know, this is what's been uncovered so far. Uh, you know, I just obviously there's there's a level of trust that has been broken here. Uh, you know, he can certainly he's entitled to the presumption of innocence in, in court. But when you're dealing with uh, issues like this and you have foreign governments uh, engaged. Um, and, you know, Egypt obviously is a country uh, that we deal with, though at times there's friction uh, between our two countries. And and so, you know, the fact that, that he would engage in this type of conduct uh, and, and again, these folks need to understand something. You're not here to enrich yourself or your family. Uh, and, you know, in much the same way with the Hunter Biden case, uh, you know, your family is, is, is should not be uh, benefiting off of your position in public office. It's funny Period. you say that. It's funny you say that because I know what the salaries are, and I don't know any politicians that aren't rich. I don't know any. So it's funny you say that, but, I mean, come on, Mike. This is going on for years. I don't care if they're, if they're Congress people, senators, uh, presidents, vice presidents, council people, these people live way above their salaries. How does that happen? Listen, uh, you know, Bob Menendez uh, did cash and gold bars. Nancy Pelosi did the stock market. And this is this is what is wrong with this system. I support banning politicians uh, in Washington from being engaged in the stock market. Uh, the reality is that you are dealing with high-level people from every industry, from every corporation in America. Um, and while you are here serving, you should serve. If the money is not good enough, if you're not making the living that you need to to provide for your family, guess what? Leave. You know, I, I, I think we've gotten to a point where uh, some folks think this is the quick way to get rich. Uh, I, to me, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the stock market. Uh, you know, right now, because there's no reason to be. Uh, I'm I'm here to serve. Uh, and when my time is up, whenever that may be, whether the voters decide or I decide that I don't want to do this uh, any further, you know, then then it's time to go, you know, into the private sector right. and work right. like right. everyone else for a living. Right. Congressman Mike Lawler, the pride of Rockland County. So we are four days away. Just saw our good friend Mike Molinaro, Mark Molinaro, I should say, on uh, CNN. And we are four days away from the probability, no longer a possibility, but the probability of a government shutdown, as far as I know, 
there is uh, nothing nothing new. Uh, the deal is not close. I know Kevin McCarthy keeps saying, we'll get it done, we'll get it done. But can you give me a reason to be optimistic outside of what Kevin McCarthy's been saying? Look, this has been a very frustrating uh, few weeks because there's really no reason for this. Uh, we well, all by the way, you, you say there's time. no reason for this, but I was watching Face the Nation after <laughs> before you were on yesterday, and they kept bringing in all these Democrats who said if there is a government shutdown, there is a reason for it. And the reason is it ain't the Republicans versus the Democrats. It's Republicans versus Republicans. So they were blaming the whole thing on the Republican Party. Is that fair? And you know what? They're right. Here, here's, the, here's the problem. Uh, we all agree as a Republican conference that we need to do single-subject appropriations bills, that we need to reduce spending. This administration, the Biden administration, was reckless and increased spending by $5 trillion in two years. We all agree on the need to reduce spending. Uh, there's not a single one of us opposed to that. The issue is that going through the appropriations process uh, in the manner that we are, after three decades of not doing it the right way, takes time. It takes time to go line by line, budget bill by budget bill, uh, and, and find the savings and spending reductions uh, that work. And within our conference over the last two months, there's been a lot of disagreement about different aspects of each of these appropriations bills. We would have liked to pass all 12 by September 30th. But even if we were to do that, let's say by some miracle over the next four days, we pass the remaining 11 appropriations bills. We've already passed one. The Senate would still have to pass theirs. Then we would have to conference and come to an agreement and repass them, and then the president would have to sign it into a law. Into law, that is not happening by September 30th. So why would we shut down the government and inflict pain on the American people? Uh, and and I can promise you, Joe Biden will do exactly what Barack Obama did when the government shut down during his administration, and he will make it as painful as possible. Well, well, you, you, have, you have parks. to give me. You have to give me some specific things that the president will do to make it painful for everyday Americans like me. They will they will shut down the national parks. They will make it difficult for air travel. Uh, you will see all sorts of uh, issues with getting pay, paychecks out uh, to our active duty military, our veterans benefits. It, it will be a calamity. Well, two and, things. And First of all, I, I heard I heard that they will also stop paying border security. And we can't afford not to have those people there. And what about Social Security checks? You know about that? Social Social Security checks, because it's mandatory spending, will continue to go out. The problem will be if, if new people are trying to apply. Uh, if you are having an issue, it'll be difficult to get a hold of somebody. Uh, a lot of these agencies will stop interacting with congressional offices. Uh, you will have, for instance, passports. Uh, that is a big part of what we deal with on a daily basis, people trying to get their passports. They'll grind this to a halt. People will miss their travel, uh, you know, whether it's for personal or, or business. So this, they have the opportunity to make this extremely painful. And by the way, it won't save one penny. It will cost us more money on interest, uh, and it will be a calamity. When, when the government shut down under Donald Trump, Donald Trump made it a partial government shutdown. He wanted to make it as painless as possible uh, because 
we controlled the Senate and uh, the White House. But when you don't control the White House, uh, there, there is a lot that the president has jurisdiction over and power over in this type of situation. But you, but you just you just mentioned Donald Trump, and ironically, he's been yelling about this, and he says, hey, my Republican people, which include you, Mike Lawler, shut it down. <laughs> he, of course, he went as far as to make it about himself. He said, unless we get everything we want, which includes stop these ridiculous investigations about me, which, of course, is pie in the sky. But Donald Trump, much like he did when he said, hey, you know what, let the debt ceiling go, he's saying, Shut it down. What about that? No question, because, as you said, it's about him. Uh, And, you know, in that scenario, if he really honestly, sincerely thinks that the Department of Justice is not is is going to stop its uh, investigations or prosecutions of him based on a government shutdown, he's kidding himself. Um, At the end of the day, we have to go through the appropriations process. We need to do single subject spending bills. We need to reduce spending. I agree with all of that. But I do not agree that somehow shutting down the government when we're not even through the process of passing them through the House is somehow going to give us an upper hand on negotiations. It's not. And I'll and I'll make this one other point. Matt Gates has been leading this effort. This is not about single subject appropriations bills. This is about Matt Gates wanting to remove Kevin McCarthy as speaker. And he is trying to create a crisis. Uh, to give him that the ability to do that one way or the other. If the government shuts down, he's going to blame McCarthy. Mm. If McCarthy cuts a deal with the Democrats to keep the government open, he's going to blame McCarthy and say he capitulated to the Democrats and moved with the motion to vacate. He is setting up this scenario, and unfortunately, there's a bunch of useful idiots that are going along with it in my conference. <laughs> there are, Chip Roy, I guess, Marjorie Taylor Green. So I would imagine that um, in the uh, in the deal that you guys want to get done, included in that deal, must be, uh, you know, close the border, border security, because as you pointed out, 100 percent, right? I mean, as you pointed out with Marsha, and you're not to blame everybody, the mayor, the governor, the president for the issue here in uh, in New York. You you, you left nobody unscathed. That's got to be a major issue for the Republicans. Look at it this way. Right now, the, the spending fight is the appropriations process, a CR to keep the government cur- currently funded. You can use that vehicle to deal with the border. And what we proposed was an 8% spending cut over a 30-day period, coupled with H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader who represents New York, has done absolutely nothing on this issue. And we had the ability, if we passed the CR with uh, border security in it, to put it right on Chuck Schumer's doorstep and say, here's your choice. Shut the border or shut the government. Wow. And, unfortunate, and unfortunately, seven of my colleagues are too dumb to figure that out. <laughs> Look at you. I love you, man. You are you're on fire. But 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 what is what does any of this have to do with Zach Wilson as the quarterback of the Jets? <laughs> <laughs> Joe 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 Namath seems to want him gone. So. <laughs> I know. Who's a bigger problem? Seriously, Zach Wilson or Matt Gates? Uh, on a serious note, definitely not, Matt Gates. <laughs> definitely Matt Gates. That was a great conversation. This is why you really are. I mean this sincerely. One of the best politicians we've got in this country today, because you lay it on the line, you call people out and deserve to be called out, and you lay out the details, Mike, so everyday idiots like me and my staff understand it. So thank you so much for a great appearance. We'll do it Thanks again very soon. Me on. Thank you. It. Take care. Take care. That's the great Mike Lawler. I love this guy more every day.
useful idiots, the seven morons who are not helping us. You gotta love this guy, Matt Gates. Not nearly done. Rich Lowry's gonna stop by. Bernie Kerrick, what's really going on with our prisons? It's a major, major issue above and beyond Rikers Island. We'll talk to the former police commissioner and that great audio from Joe Beningo yesterday. Keep it right here. Sitting friends in the morning on a Tuesday. Rolls on. accident. Trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. And now, Sid and Friends in the Morning presents How Does Sid Rosenberg Make You Feel? Here's former President Trump on how Sid makes him feel. Hello, Sid. It's Donald Trump. I want to tell you, you know I think you're the greatest. You're the absolute greatest. You're the greatest talk show host in America right now. And I'm really happy when I come on. Thank you for having me, Sid. You know I think you're great. You're one of the greatest, Sid. That's all I can say. I can tell you right now. And I know I want to let you know, and the listeners, we're going to fix this country. we got a lot of problems. We've got a lot, a lot of stupid people running the country. But we're going to fix it. we got a lot to do. And I'm going to fix it when I get back in office. And I just want to tell you, you make me feel great and i love you sid this is donald trump bye bye this has been how does sid rosenberg make you feel on sid and friends in the morning 77 wabc Thirty-five on your rainy Tuesday morning. Been a great show. Come on, 
Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Christopher Mandog, Russo, Mike Lawler. Which Larry's still to come. Then we'll talk to Bernie Carrick. We'll also talk to the mayor this week. He'll be back. Eric Adams. Been a while. And I don't care whether you like him or not. You know that. I don't. I don't care about anything. I'm not me. He's been on the show a million times, and there are days I I like the mayor. There are days I can't say. Well, we know this already. My God, shut up, Sid. Geez, shut shut up, Sid. Shut, shut up. Shut up. Shut up, dude. So when he comes on, you'll enjoy it. I'll I'll uh, I'll ask him the right questions. I'll. This is not Joe and Mika. This is not WBLS. I'll be more respectful than Curtis would be. I can tell you that. But it's 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 going to be one of those conversations. He's not going to love it, but he's going to do it. So. And uh, we need to hear him here. That's that's the bottom line. He's still the mayor of this city. Okay, we despise him. Doesn't mean anything to me. A lot of you don't even like Donald Trump, idiots. But he comes on, too, because I love Donald Trump. And thank you for that nice message there, Mr. President. So before we get to uh, Rich Lowry, it's been a crazy sports weekend. You're having arguments with yourself. Don't worry about what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, it's funny you bring that up, Lou. Oh, All right. Tell it reminds me of a story. Reminds me of a story. <laughs> First of all, my memory is there's something wrong with me. I, I'm I'm only 56, but I'm having issues. I mean this. I, I have to go to the doctor at some point. During the conversation with Dog, for example, I forgot Taylor Swift's name. I forgot it. Just forgot it. <laughs> but I did a really good job. It sounded great. You wouldn't know, but Alec, you knew. I forgot a name. <laughs> yeah. And then a lot of times lately, the last couple of months, I'll start a conversation and then I'll completely forget why. It's making me a little nervous, I'm not gonna lie, but No, there's there's you've had things before this for you years. Know. But now I'm old and I'm off the drugs, so I really I'm have no excuse. St- you could be staring right at you yeah. and you don't hear what's being well, said. I don't want to you. hear, that's why. Like, well, I just don't want to hear. Well, whatever the yeah. reason is, I'm talking to you and you're just looking at me. Well, because I'm, I'm bored. I just, yeah, it's stupid. I it. Okay. Whatever, whatever you're talking I'm saying, about, nobody cares. Remember it. I mean, uh, yeah. Write it, write it down. No, and by the way, this is another IMS moment right there. I mean, <laughs> yes, it um, is. <laughs> I mean, my God, I'm making myself nauseous. When it starts... Getting worse, I'm out. You're done? You're done? Oh, I'm not going uh, you know, to. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that for 30 years. Uh, yeah. Well, I was only there for like 18, but. Right, well, I'm not going through it again. Uh, you will go through it again because uh, ultimately you like me more, and I'll, I'll never be that bad. We will we'll But I, it's going to get close, I'm telling you now. <laughs> we'll find It's yeah. going to get close. No one's laughing, but it's going to But I think happen. I need medication or something because I, I'm forgetting a lot. Of, like that, uh, what is that stuff, the Gilco, Gilco stuff? You, you take it, it makes you remember stuff? I don't know. Yeah, there is what is that called? Something. It's um, Prevagen, <laughs> isn't it? Is that what it is? I don't know. You, you, you need something. <laughs> I think you need another drug. What I won't forget is Joe Beningo yesterday. Beningo, you know, listen, Beningo was on my show, right? And he gets a he gets paid every week to go on WFBN. He gets paid, Chris Alabero, my buddy, to go on with uh, Evan and Tiki. So he comes on with me two weeks ago, and he lights New York on fire. And it's in the New York Post the next day, and you know that pissed off WFAN. You know it did. So now he's allowed to come on with me, but he has to be after he's on with Evan and Tiki. So, for example, Benin goes on tomorrow because he was on with Evan and Tiki yesterday. And he did with Evan and Tiki yesterday, but he did with me a couple of weeks ago. Same thing. Went nuts, Jets. But this time he agreed with me. The same points he argued with me about two weeks ago, he was saying yesterday. Same points. And it got him back in the New York Post. It is great audio to the point where former Giant great and now the afternoon guy who replaced Carton alongside Evan, Tiki Barber, walked out. Here's Beningo, Roberts, and Barber, courtesy of WFAN. 
Zach Wilson could process? What are we talking about? I'm not. That, it's, that's it's the, the you know, you hit it on the head. That's the difference. It's a, the it's, Niners dumped the number one draft choice after a year and a half or two years because they knew he couldn't play. Bingo. And my team continues no, no, it's not to trot out this. It's, no, it's not that they knew he tiggy, couldn't play. Tiggy, they knew let me tell you right Brock, now. They knew that you Brock hate the Jets. <laughs> you would love to see the Jets go two and fifteen. Stop it. I love you're a giant. If this was the situation with the Giants. You'd be screaming to get Wilson the hell out of there. First of all, so I never don't scream. give me this nonsense. First of all, all right, I never take... scream because I watch and I analyze. And okay, I, well you and can I, analyze and I, and all I, you want, but maybe you, maybe you, look, you look. Why all I know happening. is this: yesterday you were in Washington with the Commanders and the Bills. Okay, were you not? <laughs> I was. Okay, so don't give me this nonsense. <laughs> how you're analyzing oh Zach Wilson? God. Well, okay, I don't want to oh. hear it. All right. It's BS. All right, Joe. He Sounds stinks. good. I'm turning my mic off, buddy. Turn he stinks. Mic no, no, but here's what I know that frustrates me related to a point you just made. Uh, that's Tiki saying bullshizzle and walking out of the studio. I mean, the truth is, Beningo nailed him there. Don't tell me you're analyzing Zach Wilson when you're doing a Commander's Bills game from D.C., on Channel 5. Oh, wait. Well, okay, but a couple of weeks ago, he was the only one that came on and said, stop crying, right, fans. Right, Zach right. Zach Wilson. And so I'm like, everything's going to be all right. I said he couldn't win a high school game. You, know, you remember, right. that's the exact quote I used. So now the bitch is going to apologize to me tomorrow. The special teams won that first game. Yeah, pretty, and the defense. Yes. So and which, 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 which after week one, there were the 85 Bears, and now all of a sudden the last two weeks, not so much. He's a very scary individual. Well, he is. He's but, very scary. but, you know, we, we were just talking to, um, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, and he was like, can Joe Namath pipe down? I got to tell you, Namath, for the better part of 50 years, has said nothing. Not a thing. And the Jets have done nothing. No. Four AFC championship appearances, yes, one with Richard Todd, one with Vinny Testaverde, and two with Mark Sanchez. But no Super Bowl appearances since 1969. And for the most part, Joe Namath has taken the high road. Yep. But even he's sick of it. Yep. Even he recognizes yep. Zach Wilson is not an NFL, an NFL talent. Nope. Joe Namath. Like a hundred years old. Jets have no credit built up there. And <laughs> come on, I know. Namath was on the um, the Michael K show. Yeah, I like Mike on ESPN, and he talked about Zach Wilson's performance. He used one adjective which is not very nice. This is a uh, Joe Namath cut number twenty-eight. We'll stay on Zach. You sit down. You sit down on the play. You go right down. What happens? I thought you're trying to win and make plays. You quit on a play. You, what is going on? It, it, it's disgusting. Joe Namath using the word disgusting. Mind you, both papers today, which I'm watching on New York One Now with the leprechaun Pat Kiernan, the Daily News and the New York Post have Namath on the back page. Goes on to say that uh, Kay asked him, well, what would you do with Zach Wilson? Namath had a great answer. What would you do with Zach Wilson? Joe Namath, cut number 27. If somebody handed you Zach Wilson and said, okay, Joe, make him better, what would you do? Send him to Kansas City to back up against somebody like Mahomes. Maybe he'd learn something. See, get him out of here. Let him go to Kansas City and back up Mahomes. Just so you know, Mahomes has a backup. He played Sunday in the Chiefs 41-10 over Chicago. His name is Blaine Gabbert. And finally, uh, Joe Namath, if you were, if you own this team, if you were Woody Johnson, would you make wholesale changes, fire everybody Joe Namath, cut number 26. Mr. Johnson, hey, these guys aren't picking the right players. They're not doing a good job of coaching. It's evident. I mean, you've you got to look and see if you have an eye about football at all. You see things are haywire. It, it, it's too crazy. 
They need to fix it, and that's getting rid of a lot of people and bringing new ones in. All right, so, Joe, let's let's look at it this way. Obviously, they planned the whole offseason to have Aaron Rodgers, and Robert Sala was just on with the show and said, um, you know, that they, they catered an offense around Aaron Rodgers. Now they've got to find one for Zach Wilson. Do you buy that, and is that a tough thing to transition into a different offense for Zach Wilson? How many months ago was that to learn the offense? How many months ago was that? Come on. Now, Aaron, he got hurt. Okay, well, what do you think you have backups there for? They're ready to go. They're supposed to be ready to go. We're looking at an offense that just doesn't play well. Are you, you've got an offensive coordinator that doesn't seem to be calling the right plays. I, I just think it, for a fan, for this fan, they need to make major changes from top to bottom. Change. Does that include the head coach? Yes. Wow, Joe Namath, fire the head oh, coach. Big. Fire Robert Sella. Oh. Wow. He's not a good coach. No, I agree. He's not. But he plays golf with Meningo. He looks like me. Who cares? Oh. Okay. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. So yesterday was Yom Kippur. I was off. We usually have Rich Lowry on Mondays, but I was off yesterday, and I miss Rich. He's, he's just great. So we decided to uh, call him, see if he'd be kind enough to come on today, and I've got about 10 minutes with the editor of the National Review, Political NBC, all of it, my man, Rich Lowry. Rich, good Tuesday morning. How are you, bud? Hey, same to you. You have my solemn pledge. I'll never go on with Evan and Tiki before you said. <laughs> yeah. You'll always be first. Well, I appreciate that. Me, I, I follow the Jets about as closely as Tiki Barber, so not very closely. <laughs> right. But uh, it seems like Joe Name is a little harsh there. I mean, they knew they needed a – Wilson sucked, right? And they needed a quarterback, and they went and got him, and, and he got hurt. So, you know, how can you help that? Yeah, but you got to have somebody behind Wilson. I don't know. Look, I – I think the Jet fans are so frustrated, like Beningo, like Namath. Again, no Super Bowl appearances since 1969. And, you know, you put yourself in a position. They knew Zach couldn't play. I mean, we were saying this last year, and Aaron Rodgers didn't come in in his prime. He did start the season at 39 years old. So, you know, God forbid he gets hurt, you've got exactly what you thought you'd get, which is a kid who's not ready to play in the NFL, and Jet fans are pissed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I understand the It's enough. I mean, God, 55 years is a long time. Uh, So I was under the impression last week when the debate, you know, that debate tomorrow night, and uh, my friend Donald Trump said, hey, I'm not going to debate. I'm up by a 1,000 points. I'm going to go to Detroit. I'm going to hang out with these uh, United Auto Workers because I'm afraid they're going to destroy the unions in this country. And much like East Palestine, Ohio, I'm there for the everyday guy, and it was great. It was brilliant. It really was. A, he really does care about the blue-collar Americans, and B, it was great political strategy. Then a couple of days ago, I hear, well, Joe Biden is on his way to Detroit. Now, again, I don't follow it as closely as you do. Was that not after Donald Trump said I was going? Was that always going to be the case? Yeah, Yeah, and Joe Biden walking the picket line. You know, they got to make sure no sandbags, no obstructions, no cracks in the sidewalk. Right. (laughs) uh, It's dangerous for him to walk anywhere. You know, the, the thing is, like, Trump skipped the, the first debate, and, and all the polling said, you know, voters don't like you skipping the debate. 
and he's gained since then. And it was because of the the mugshot overwhelmed the debate. Uh, Nikki Haley gained a little bit, you know, but we're talking about you know from five to nine percent or whatever it is. And uh, you know, we'll skip the other, you know, skipping uh, tomorrow night and probably be roughly the same. You know, I don't think the debates have had any. The, the uh, debate didn't have any effect on the macro race. It had a little effect on the micro race, which is uh, the, these, the, the also-rams trading support. The debate did nothing. He went on with Tucker Carlson, and, you know, I know these numbers lie on Twitter, X, whatever it is, six million, gazillion, gazillion, gazillion. I know they lie, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it's probably safe to assume he probably got as many views with Tucker, if not more, than the whole debate. And the seven of them, now you get uh, DeSantis and Burgum and Christie. And like you said, Nikki uh, gained a little, but not enough to really take her seriously. Pence, Vivek, and Tim Scott tomorrow night, another complete waste of time. I mean, it's over. It is over. These people are up there. And this is why I don't get Nikki Haley. Why take shots at Trump? The, the truth is you're debating now to impress Trump. You're not impressing America. We don't care. We're voting Trump in. But if you want a job in his administration, you know, we know Chris Christie ain't, ain't going to happen for that fat bastard. But a lot of you folks up there, if you're smart, say nice things about Trump and guarantee yourself a job. Yeah. Well, th- there are some people uh, doing that. That's Vivek's play. I, the the reason why I don't totally agree with you that it's over, you know, I think it's like an eighty percent chance oh, it's over, or seventy. Seventy. Uh, New Hampshire, they could break late, but look, you know, it, Trump needs to come down a little bit. Not clear that's going to happen, and you need the the rest of the candidates to, you know, someone to consolidate. It's not clear that's going to happen. So the the odds are very heavy that you're right. I just have. Uh, I'm not quite 100 percent on that. I'm 101 percent. So the but the question, <laughs> no, 105 percent. No, and, and I've been that way for months, and nothing's changed. Yeah. In fact, it's gotten uh, make me look better. But uh, but but did Biden not decide to go after Trump decided, or did Biden have that in his schedule the whole time? I'm pretty sure it was after it was after Trump. Exactly. Right, because he learned his lesson in East Palestine, Ohio, when the real American president showed up while he was taking pictures in the Rose Garden out there in uh, in Ukraine with uh, Zelensky, not even a Rose Garden. And uh, Trump was out there with the real American. So Joe Biden basically stole Donald Trump's plan, did he not? Yeah, well, the other thing that's going on with the auto workers is they hate these electric car mandates. They you don't need as many people to make electric cars, people to buy electric cars or or don't want to, at least not um, no one who's not an upper income person already has two or two you know, a couple other cars uh and a and a big home with a nice garage where they can charge for nine hours, you know, to get get a hundred miles or whatever it is. Um so that's that's a that's a really potentially powerful issue for Trump in, in Michigan and the, the industrial Midwest. The, this mandate is ridiculous and it's gonna hurt your interest. And that's something there's a just big overlap with that union on. You know, Mike, I just had Congressman Mike Lawler on out of Rockland County here in New York. He was terrific. And he really, he made the argument that uh, Matt Gates is a big troublemaker. Because if Kevin McCarthy comes to some type of deal to stop the government shutdown, then Matt Gates is going to say basically that he made a bad deal with the Democrats. And if he doesn't, Matt Gates is going to say this guy is inept and couldn't get a deal done. Now look at us. So, you know, when I said to him, when I watched a bunch of people on Face the Nation say this is not about Republicans versus Democrats, if the government shuts down, it's about Republicans versus Republicans, Lawler said you're exactly right, and he singled out Matt Gates. What are your thoughts on Matt? I think this is exactly right. They should do what they, they did uh, in the debt ceiling. And that deal, you know, you look at it more closely, it, Republicans didn't get much from it. They got a little bit from it. But you got to pass your own. 
uh, version. You know, you got to pass something and then you negotiate from there. And it's, it's not going to be satisfactory because you don't have the Senate and you don't have the White House, but you can get something. Instead, they're making themselves look totally incompetent because of Matt Gates and others just won't vote for a Republican version of the, the, the spending bill. And then, you know, Gates will will vote against whatever deal there is eventually or whatever McCarthy has to do to get past this point and, and then claim to be the total purist when he's been shooting at his side the whole time. So I find it pretty galling. Yeah. You know, remember Nikki Haley, that first debate came out. She kind of surprised me because she said, hey, this deficit now at thirty three trillion dollars. She goes, hey, I got news for you, folks. It's not just the Democrats. It's us, too. And she went on to malign Donald Trump for his spending habits after maligning Joe Biden. I wonder how many of these folks tomorrow night are going to talk about this potential government shutdown and lay it on their own party. Do you think that'll be a big discussion tomorrow night? Yeah, I think it'll be a big discussion. I'm not sure everyone's going to go where Nikki uh, went. But, you know, I think she's right about that. I, I, and I, this is one another thing that's kind of irritating about this. Is you're, you're Matt Gates, or you're the, these backbenchers who really care about fiscal probity. That's great, you know. So do I. But you, you, your chance to really do something about it is when your party controls everything. <laughs> That's when you should be hardcore. Right. That's when you should say no. We got to do more. Doing it now, it's all it's all just theater, you know. It's, it's all just theater and and taking shots at Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy has his flaws, you know. He's not a great statesman, but no one else wants this job, <laughs> and, and no one's yeah. going to do it better than he has. So. It's all ridiculous. What are your thoughts on Bob Menendez? This guy has been a scumbag rich forever. 2015, he was in trouble. 2017, mm-hmm. they alleged he was having sex with underage hookers in the DR. Mm-hmm. And now 2023, he's got gold and a half a million cash. This guy's a liar. He's corrupt. He's a scumbag. How does he continue? Where's Bob Eugen? How does this guy continue to hold his job? Yeah, no. Uh, what, what he can hang on to, Menendez, is look. I, you know, I'm accused. I'm not. I'm not guilty yet. And who knows? He may. He may get another hung jury and, and might get off again. But that doesn't mean he's not a scumbag, right? We can all see he's a right. scumbag, whether he's guilty in the court of law or not. So, but you know, I think if there's one thing, if you're a politician, that you should have learned in the last twenty years, ten years. No one can make you resign, really. If you don't want to resign, you don't resign. Right. You know, this is right. Anthony. Anthony didn't need Anthony Weiner didn't need to resign from from Congress. No, I mean even um, even more recently, George Santos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look what he's doing, right? Or, or Al Franken. It was ridiculous that Al, I have no use for Al Franken. It's ridiculous he resigned. So I doubt Menendez will resign. And if Democrats want to get rid of them, they just have to primary and beat them. Let me revisit a conversation I had with the legend himself, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, about an hour and 20 minutes ago. Yankees will not make the postseason, mathematically eliminated this weekend. Now they're just trying to play better than 500 baseball for the year. I asked him if they should fire everybody. He said, Sid, Brian Cashman's a good GM. He's had some success. But 14 years without a World Series appearance since that 2009 A-Rod team won, and 25 years in all, it's enough. It's time. Does Rich Lowry agree with Chris Russo? Totally. Yeah, I would apply the Joe, Joe Namath rant to the Yankees more than the, the Jets. <laughs> Go ahead. Because this is, you know, there's bad luck. You know, he ended up trading for some guys that got hurt. And, you know, not every trade is going to work out. But this this is just a was a, a terribly constructed roster. And um, it's time for something new. You know, he, he's, he's had a good long run. It's had some amazing success, especially at the beginning. But it's, it's time for something new. But it just seems as though Hal's too attached to him to see the sense of that. 
And uh, do you agree, like most baseball fans do, if the GM goes, the manager goes too, so just clean house, get rid of Cashman, yeah. booing everyone? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do it tomorrow. What a, what a depressing way to end this conversation, no? <laughs> Yankees don't make you know, the playoffs. I mean, just, uh, New York sports, the Yankees and Mets are both supposed to be good, and the Giants and Jets are both supposed to be good. You yeah, know? you're right, and, the, and football Maybe season's the over. Maybe the Knicks. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm already waiting on the Knicks and the Rangers. Rangers have a preseason game tonight against the Islanders. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> That's how bad it is. But if you think about the whole conversation, just think about it. Yankees don't make the playoffs. Government is about to shut down. Bob Menendez is one of the biggest scumbags in political history. This is our conversation this morning, which isn't that great? And Eric Adams, Eric Adams says the city's being destroyed by uh, migrants. Well, tell me, well, tell me about <laughs> that. Where, great. No, where do you stand uh, on that? Because a lot of folks, while they go to Biden right away because of his border policy, obviously, they have no issue, no issue attacking the governor and the mayor. Now, just so you know, in complete transparency, I had a couple of conversations with the mayor this weekend. He will return to this show probably Thursday. And he told me what he told the public. He said, Sid, I got to tell you, I'm doing a great job. That's what he said to me. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, what else is he going to say? I have to say, New York, you know, when when those um, migrants spilled over on, what was it, Fifth Avenue or something, it was a scandal, you know, and, and Adams took care of it. And it's good that the, the city still has that much self-respect. But at the end of the day, this isn't his fault, right? It isn't Kathy Hochul's fault. It's Joe Biden's fault. It's his fault. And if he won't solve the problem and reinstitute some of those Trump border measures, this is just what it's going to be. And I would have thought it was unsustainable six months in, a year in, two years in. I guess he's just going to go through the entire election, assuming he's a nominee, without ever fixing it and try try to weather it. Well, just, just to play devil's insane. advocate, you say it's not Kathy or Eric's fault. And I'm going to tell her this right to his face on the air, and he may not like it. It is his fault because way back when, when this thing started, he was all too welcoming. He was there to greet them coming off the buses. He was like, hey, we're a sanctuary city. Come one, come mm-hmm. all. Now he's trying to tell us, I could never have imagined this, but how could you not, knowing the border's been wide open since Biden took over, knowing Biden never took it seriously from day one with Kamala Harris? So I do place blame on the mayor for this mess because as angry as he is now, I saw it coming from a mile away. Yeah, yeah, I would say I, I should underline ultimate blame goes to, to Biden. But Fine. sure, yeah, the sanctuary Fine. city stuff was, was ridiculous, you know, um, and, and this just goes to the cost of, of illegal immigration. You're ha- you have a city of 8 million people that's supposedly going to be destroyed by 100,000 migrants showing up, right? <laughs> they're expensive, <laughs> they're difficult to deal with, they don't know the language, they they're, uh, have no connection to the society, and all that's really bad, you know, and a real burden, but they should have realized that long ago. What do you think of Kristen Walker? Um, I, I didn't like the, the Trump interview so much. Either uh, did I. Yeah. Did you watch, I I watched, did you watch Sunday? I did. I thought it was, I think she's uh, very robotic, very, you know, pretty predictable, very, very liberal, progressive, democratic uh, roundtable she's got, which Chuck had most of the time too, but I don't see much of a difference, I guess is my point. Yeah, I I missed it. I missed it on Sunday. I have to say the Trump interview, the the best Trump interview we've seen, well, Brett Baer did a pretty good job, but Megyn Kelly, I thought, did a great job. She did. Challenged him him on some stuff, made some news, but also will let him talk, you know, and won't badger him. Um, Didn't badger him. And and it's difficult, you know, obviously he's he's the most difficult, as Bill O'Reilly said, the most difficult interviewee in the world. Um, so it takes a lot of preparation yeah. and, and thought to, to get a good interview out of him. Oh, or she not was a, great. An interview where he doesn't steamroller. Right. No, she was great. Either. She's like, uh, he's like, you know, that was a very nasty question. And she goes, no, it was a great question. 
He's like, <laughs> he's like, no, it was an ass. He goes, no, no, it was great. And she kept saying it was great. <laughs> We're going to play that when we get back. Uh, you are great. You're always great. Thank you All for right, coming in good. on a Tuesday. Thank you, Rich. Talk soon. You the man. Now, now I'm over to Evan and Tiki. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Rich Lowry, everybody, the right. editor of the National Review, usually here 740 on Mondays, but he comes in on a Tuesday at 840 and kicks some major ass and wraps up our number three. Of this great program. Still one more hour to go. Former police commissioner, one of my favorite people, Bernie Carrick. He going to join us? Lots more to discuss. Keep it right here Tuesday with Sid. WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Olivia, baby, Olivia Newton-John, happy birthday. She died last year. She would have been 75 years old today. One of the cutest ladies ever, Olivia Newton-John. What is that uh, Megyn Kelly cut, which Lowry brought up? He thought the best interview Donald Trump did on television, on radio, of course, it's me. I'm being serious. I I heard him do radio interviews, a thousand of them. The best radio interview Donald Trump does is with me. No question about it. But on TV, Rich Lowry gave it to uh, Megyn Kelly, and I agree. I thought she was great. Here was uh, one of the exchanges dating back to the very first question, the first debate ever, which, of course, the answer was Rosie O'Donnell, who looks more and more like Mike Francesa every day. Here it is, Megyn Kelly and Donald Trump. I don't want to debate people that I'm 60 points up on, because what's the purpose in doing that? Does that mean no presidential primary debates for you? Well, I don't see it. Look. None? When you're leading, why would I do it? How about do the one just for, just before Iowa? Do it. I'll moderate it. Yeah, I know. I, um, I appreciate that. You know, like, <laughs> like you did with the Rosie O'Donnell. Would it be a deal breaker for yeah. you? The people want a smart president. A smart president that's leading by 60 points. Ronald Reagan didn't do it. Nixon didn't do it. Nobody does it. Frankly, I have a little bit of a hustle network. Like you asked me a question when you were moderating the debate for Fox. 
that, frankly, if I didn't come up with the answer, only Rosie O'Donnell, I would have had a problem with that. That was a bad question. That was a great question. That was, no, it was a nasty it question. It was awesome. Though. You know, there are questions that are, it's not that they're not answerable, but no matter, if you're Winston Churchill, he was very good at the You bad. handled it well. Your poll numbers went up. I'm not saying that. No, I got a little bit lucky. I came up with a good answer. That was great. I thought Megyn Kelly hit a grand slam. She goes, that was a great question. That was an awesome question. You handled it well, Donald. Just stop it. And he uh, kind of folded. He's like, well, yeah, I had a great answer, which he did. The Rosie O'Donnell answer was was brilliant. But um, I got to give Megyn Kelly some credit. Hey, uh, you remember a couple of months ago? There's a question for all you guys. What, uh, her name is Renee. She works here. Is she Katsimatidi's cousin, Renee? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I believe so. So she contacted me, and she said, um, well, not just me, but we won eight awards here mm-hmm. for the um, some broadcasting. Oh, I don't know what it is. Who cares? But we won the best morning show, which nice. if there are any, any morning show award should go to us. Yeah. I think we were the only daily show to win, but we won a whole bunch of stuff, podcasts. And, not a surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was under the impression that the actual lunch or breakfast, because I think I won this a couple of years ago, too, and I think that's where I met Bill Ritter. At the breakfast, and he was very, very nice. Yeah. I mean, you can't trust him as far as you can see him, but he was very nice. Sure he was. But I, I thought the lunch or breakfast for this award was this week, but I've heard nothing. Is Renee still here? Yeah, I I never heard anything about a breakfast. About no, of course it. there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe They actually you. hand out awards. I believe If you walk by Sophia Perez's uh, desk in the front there, right. there's an actual award they gave to me and Bernie years ago. Right. Right. So I believe you. I just haven't heard about it, so... Well, you're the, you should know about this. Uh, oh, you don't say. Oh. Well, do you have a number for this lady? Or I emailed her over the weekend. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she still works here. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen her. I only uh, see I her mean, once. I, I right, I see right. her like once in a blue moon. I will, uh, I'll reach out. Because if there is a breakfast, I want to go. Well. And collect you, the award myself. Yeah, but you do a morning show. Well, somebody else will do it that day, Andrew Cuomo. He mm. seems to like this spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's after the show. Uh, Last time okay. it was after the show. Okay, so. okay. Well, don't get bitchy with me. I'm, I'm, just, not getting, I'm just saying. Well, it sounds like you were getting a little bitchy. No, even Jim Flippin, hold on a second. Even Jim Flippin is is agreeing yes. I am not getting. Okay, Jim, Jimmy Flippin just got here. So that's well, ridiculous. You heard, he, he heard all he had to hear. Okay. And was he shaking his head? Yes. Doing that shake? he said, yeah, you get all fired up. No, I, I'm not fired up. The Eagles won. They're 3-0. You should be happy today. I'm very happy. Go Birds. You didn't fast yesterday, did you? Be I honest. did, actually. You did yes. not. I did. Oh, stop it. I was it. with my grandparents. I had to fast in front of them. Didn't you have a Shiksa girlfriend for years, that Russian spy? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, know I, you know I did. You so don't you, have to ask so like you fasted so when you were with her and those young yeah. people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're such a liar. <laughs> I'm not a liar. But you and your grandparents, oh, you were in Chappaqua? No, I was in South Salem. I, you know, I, my nephew yeah. just moved to Chappaqua. My nephew, Evan, he's a great kid. Uh-huh. A lawyer, Evan Wagowski. Love him. My godson, actually. Oh, he sounds like he he moved to Chappaqua. Chappaqua. Evan Wagowski. Wagowski, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he, may, well, he may know your parents. No, he doesn't. Well, my... he will soon because your mother doesn't stop on Instagram. <laughs> we're doing this again. I beg you for months. Tell I, your mother to stop I can't Instagram control me. my mother. My mother's out of control. You can't stop her, can no. you? You weren't with your mom and dad yesterday? I was. But my grandparents oh, came Oh, everybody. Oh, that's house. nice. Yeah, that and you broke the fast where? Uh, in By myself, right before the Birds game. Now, why would that? Oh, because you want to go home and watch the game. Yes. Yeah. No. None of this story makes any sense. No. 
Well, that's what you get for talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right about that. All right, Bernie Kerrick is going to stop by. There was a story in the New York Times. The jail system, the prison system is broken. Remember I was talking to Norman Seabrook. I like Norman. He was the head of the union, Department of Corrections, for 21 years. And I spoke to him on Friday, and I said there was a rumor that Molina, who runs the DOC, he's in charge, I should say, he wanted to quit, and Eric Adams wouldn't let him. And I don't remember if Norman confirmed or denied that, but there seems to be a lot of issues with the prison system. And this uh, New York Times column over the weekend really sheds light on that. And Bernie said to me, Bernie Kerrick, he said, let me tell you something. I'm sick and tired of the excuses hearing it can't be done. When I was in charge with Giuliani, it got done. Why don't they just use the same tools we used in an effort to get it done? And I have no answer for that. It just sounds so easy. So with that said, we will talk to the former police commissioner here in New York, dating back to that tragic day, 9-11, one of my favorite people, Bernard Carrick, makes his return to sit and friends in the morning coming up next. But first, some more Olivia Newton-John. Happy birthday, Olivia. She would have been 75. In the web of your WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Eddie Scazzeri used to love the Harry Harrison Beatles breakfast, Lewis. 9.30 on your rainy, too. I'm sick of the rain, too. My God, it's enough, like every day. When did I move to Seattle or London? It'll be sunny. You know, it's going to be like 76 degrees on Monday and then go back to the beach. So I had Norman Seabrook here on Friday. I mentioned that earlier. He was the head of the union for 21 years. The uh, Department of Corrections overlooked uh, almost 20,000 men, I believe. Him and I always talking about, you know, Molina wanted to quit. That's the rumor. Molina wanted to quit, and Eric Adams said you can't. And we're always talking about, you know, the uh, the jail system. Remember a couple of weeks ago, the big fight, Eric Adams wants to keep it here, but then there's uh, folks who want uh, the federal people to take over the jail system. 
And uh, Bernie Carrick, who was police commissioner back on 9-11, and remains a uh, great American, terrific guy, with Rudy all the time. In fact, there's a picture right here in the studio. Just look to my left. I just saw this. A black and white photo from uh, days after 9-11 with Bernie Carrick, not McGurk. Bernie, Rudy Giuliani, a fireman, and George Bush. And you talk about guys that were in control that day, those days, man, were they ever. And Bernie's always saying to me, listen, Sid, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear the excuses. Can't get it done. Yeah, you can. We did it. The city was a mess. We did it. No more excuses. And he sent me this column, New York Times yesterday, an iron hand at Rikers Island drastically reduces violence. And I think you should all read it. But to tell you about it, here he is, my friend, former commissioner. Bernie Carrick, brought to you by Peerless Boilers, mind you. Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers, they build the world's best boilers, peerlessboilers.com, pavilionpankless.com. Bernie, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Did I set that up well? Have you not said to me time and time again, you don't want to hear we can't do it because, according to you, and you're right, of course, we did it. We did it. Yeah, listen, whether it's crime reduction in the city, uh, the reduction in shootings or murders, uh, or, or, uh, the jail, uh, the jail system in New York City, there's no excuses for these things not to be running in tip top shape, um, because number one, under Giuliani between 1994 and 2002, when he walked out the door, um, we had the most substantial reductions in violent crime and murder in the United States. And we had either, either, even a bigger achievement, if you will, in the reductions in violence and the renaissance in Rikers Island. We went from, you know, 150 uh, stabbings and slashings per month down to one. We reduced uh, inmate violence by 20, 93%. We reduced overtime spending by 40%. We reduced um, assaults on staff by 60%. Um, You know, it was done under Giuliani. And this is at a time, uh, Sid, keep in mind, my daily population at Rikers when I was commissioner was running around 20,000 per day. That was my daily population. That's what we had in custody. 20,000 inmates. We were bringing in 133,000 admissions per year. Today, they got 4,000, 5,000 inmates. Wow. I don't get it. I don't understand why they, why they can't get the violence under control. Well, let's talk I, about well, You well, know what? Yeah. Go, go, go no, ahead. I was going to ask you. I don't get it either. I mean, clearly, they got 20% of the folks that you had and 100 times more of the problems. So without going into the whole Times article, you were there. You did it. Can you tell the folks in uh, in a Monarch Note version some of the things that you did to ensure those types of numbers, which were great? Well, the, f- the first thing you have to do is you have to hold the inmates accountable. And it's just like holding criminals accountable in the street. New York City is not doing either one of those. You know, when I took over Rikers, we would have slashings and stabbings, maybe, you know, 100 a month, 150 a month. And I would say to these guys, you know, what happens to these inmates now? What do we do? They said, well, we put them in segregation or solitary confinement. I know, but what about criminal charges? Well, we don't, the Bronx doesn't do that. 
Oh, really? So I went to the Bronx DA. I went to the mayor. If you commit a crime, a violent crime in the streets of New York City, you get arrested. But you mean to tell me that if you commit a violent crime in the jail system, you don't get arrested? You could do what you want, and that's what was going on. So we started holding the inmates accountable. We started holding the staff accountable and making people do the jobs they were sworn to do. You know, I've seen these stories time and time again, and maybe I watch too much TV. I don't know, Bernie. You know, I'm not nearly as smart as you guys, but, you know, these, uh, the folks, and I, and I, you know, I love cops. Nobody loves cops more than me. I hate to malign any cops, whether it's guys on the street, COs, you name it. But stories about, uh, some of the guys who work in there handing out drugs, some of the guys who work in there having sex with the inmates, uh, men and women. And I don't know if that's uh, running rampant these days or not, but that's been an issue. I don't know if that was an issue when you took over, and if it was, Forget about the inmates. What did you do about that? Well, listen, those kind of things always pop up from time to time, but they pop a lot. They pop up a lot less if you're doing something about them, and it has to be dramatic. You can't have officers bringing in drugs and things like that to inmates because it not only endangers the inmates, it endangers staff as well. So. You, you've got to get rid of that. You've got to get the weapons out of the system. And and that's what we were doing. You, you know, this thing about having sex with inmates, when an officer has sex with an inmate, you've got to put them away. Worse, it, that's one of the worst things that could happen in an institution. Because, you know, some of these officers would say it was voluntary. It's not voluntary when you have an inmate that is in custody. That's not voluntary. No, clearly they're (laughs) they're being incarcerated. You know, it's kind of like Monica Lewinsky. That really wasn't voluntary either, even though she wanted to do it. She was a kid and he was the president. And I like Bill, but let's be honest. All right, let's get to uh, what they're doing today compared to what you did. You laid out what you guys did. You had these great numbers uh, today with, again, 20% of the population of inmates that you had, there were issues almost every day. And, again, there were rumors that Molina wanted to quit. So what are they doing wrong today? Well, I think what they're doing wrong is, what, what, first and foremost, de Blasio several years ago took away um, basically administrative segregation um, and segregated units. You have gang members running around pretty much controlling the environment today. When they act up and they get out of hand, they have to go into uh, a segregation unit. Uh, you can call it solitary confinement. You can call it administrative seg. You can call it a number of different things. But the bottom line is they have to be segregated from the rest of the institution. Anytime somebody's a threat to the institution, a threat to themselves, a threat to the an escape risk, they have to go to solitary. They stopped doing this five years ago, and if you go back in time when they stopped doing this, I said publicly they're going to have massive spikes in violence if they don't control that atmosphere, and and they did. Immediately, they did. Immediately. So you, you've got to have more searches for weapons. You've got to give the officers the authority to use force when necessary. The COs in the institutions today are scared to death to use force, scared to death because they're afraid of being prosecuted. They don't prosecute the inmates, but they prosecute the staff. 
It's just like in the streets of the city. Cops are afraid to do their job because they're afraid of these prosecutors. Yep. True. They have uh, they have no qualified immunity, and, and the truth is that politicians and people in this city hate them, and it's grotesque, and it's not right. So when things are going well at Rikers, I guess you can commend the mayor, like you've done with Giuliani, even though you were running it. And when things aren't going well, I guess you can blame the mayor. Ultimately, who does get the blame if Rikers is a mess? Well, the, listen, uh, the mayor gets the, the the mayor gets the blame. The mayor's responsible. You know, Giuliani used to have a thing on his desk. The buck stops here. Well, that's the bottom line. The buck stops here. He appoints commissioners to do a job. He expects them to do that job. If they don't, they've got to be held accountable. And I can promise you, as Giuliani did, if somebody failed in controlling Rikers, he would get rid of them. If somebody failed in the police department, you get rid of them. You can't let it continue. And, you know, Mayor Adams has to realize that. Mayor Adams worked for Giuliani. He has to realize that. If it was up to you, would the jail system remain under Eric Adams' eye here in this city or be under federal watch? No, you know what, Sid? All this federal watch stuff is ludicrous. The feds can't do no better of a job at controlling and running Rikers than the people at Rikers. The COs know their job. Let them do their job. Make sure the laws are in place to allow them to do the job. Let them go do their job. The feds can't. You think the Bureau of Prisons, <laughs> the Department of Justice <laughs> Bureau of Prisons, is run better than Rikers? No, it's not. No, it's not. So it's ludicrous for somebody to say, oh, the feds are going to come in and take over. No, they're not. They're going to appoint monitors to monitor and control things that go on within the system. Those monitors are going to make a fortune, but the feds aren't running the system. They're overseeing it, and it's nonsense. Put the commissioner in place and let him do his job. How crazy is it, Bernie Kerrick, that there are actually people who want to get rid of Rikers? I mean, I, I've been saying this. I know Cash Matiti's talked about the migrants, but I've been saying for the longest time, you've got enough acreage there for three groups of people, three, and you can separate them all, criminals, illegals, and homeless. I put them all on Rikers Island, and yet there are folks who just want to get rid of it. How insane is yeah, that? That, that that's, that's completely insane. They're just getting rid of it for, from the perspective of, Having a jail system is insane, right? That that was a stupid idea when it started. But you've got 16,000 beds on Rikers. 16,000 beds on Rikers. You have another 5,000 beds in, in, the, uh, in the five boroughs, really in the four boroughs, because Staten Island doesn't have a jail. So you've got plenty of room. You've got plenty of room for the prison system, for the jail system, you got plenty of room for illegals that wind up in New York City. Why they're putting them in the Roosevelt Hotel and these other hotels and letting them destroy the city itself, I don't know. Hard to uh, hard to give a real logical answer behind that. I mean, it just – and, you know, I'm trying here. You know, Bernie, you know that I was friendly with Eric and, and then I wasn't. And we did talk the last couple of days. He's going to make his return to this program by the end of the week because I think it's important, whether you like him or not, that he has a conservative voice in his ear, that he has a Giuliani guy, if you will, in his ear. And I think Rudy would agree, because or else he's got a bunch of ass-kissers and yes-men on the other side. That doesn't work. So I am willing to do that. Plus, he's not a bad guy, to be honest. Uh, so I'm willing to do that to try to help out the city and my people. I am. 
But I just can't figure out how he is beating his chest. He sent me a very nice text, for example, two days ago, and unprovoked told me he's doing a great job. And um, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Well, it's, you know what's you know what's it? It's, it's sort of delusional. Uh, the bottom line is, you know, he's got a bunch of people around him, around him, as you said, telling him, you know, he, they're, they're yes men, right? Somebody should be t- whispering in his ear, "Hey, dude, listen." The bot at the end of the day, the people of New York City are suffering. I told him that they're suffering. I told, I said to him, and I said the city gotta, is still you a mess. Understand that? Yeah. No, I told him that. I said the city is still a mess, and he said, "Listen, uh, most cities uh, need work. There's no question about it." He didn't say the city was perfect to his credit. He said most major cities need work. I'm not saying we don't, but he was certainly willing to give himself more credit than I was. But. <laughs> As you can imagine. All right, so in wrapping up this uh, terrific conversation, again, the story in the New York Times reads, an iron hand at Rikers Island drastically reduces violence. The great police commissioner, and I mean it, and uh, a great American, the terrific guy, Bernie Kerrick's recommendations on how to fix what's a broken system with 20% of the inmates Bernie had 20 years ago, two or three or what? Listen, all, all they have to do is go back in time, Sid, and, uh, and look at the policies we put in place, whether it was ComStat in the police department in reducing crime and murder and violence, or whether it was what we were doing in the jails. All the, the policies were there. All they have to do is go back and do it over again. That's all they got to do. Why they won't do it, you know, who knows? I, I don't know. Sometimes I think, I honestly, I think this stuff is intentional. I think for some reason they want this chaos. Don't tell me that it's, it has to be because we've done it. We did it over and over and over again. And keep in mind, Bloomberg carried on the same policies in the NYPD with Ray Kelly, and the crime continued to drop. Right. But clearly you don't get it. I mean, clearly, Bernie, you don't get it. I mean, you're a white guy living in New Jersey. And you just don't understand that a lot of your tactics, whether it was stop and frisk or broken windows, were racist. You don't get it. Yeah, well. Listen, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Works. Bernie, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. though. They, they do yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they could, they could say what they want. What they can't do is they can't change history. That's what they can't change. Right. They and can't change history. And New York City was safer than ever prior to Giuliani and post-Bloomberg. It's never been safer than that 20-year period ever in the history of New York. Bernie, you're a great man. Thank you for coming out, as always. Really, really great job. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Sid. All right, buddy. Former police commissioner here in New York, Bernard Carrick. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, you're my best friend. Boy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. Now the party's over. I'm so tired. Then I see you come. Some more Roxy music for you. 
and Brian Ferry's birthday today. These guys are good, man, you know? You like these guys, right, Lou? Roxy? Yes, I really like them. You can dance to this. Alec is an extraordinarily good dancer. Look at him. Well, what a great show today, huh? Came back and just killed it. I wasn't going to work today, but I'm glad I did. It was a great show. Did you hear what, um, no, this is going to blow you all away. No, am you listening? Is uh, Jim flipping out there listening to? We're all listening. Yeah. <laughs> now. We don't really have a choice. <laughs> like, half to listen. Well, no, because you're not going to believe when you hear this. Huh? Oh, okay. Can't wait. This is, I mean, oh, okay. I've been doing this, let me see, I started in 1998 on a show with a kid named Joshua Grant, who went to Rutgers, lived in Boca, and is now a multimillionaire living in Las Vegas. Great kid. And it was an internet radio show called Hot Java. For a company at the time, it was uh, Sportsline USA, owned by Mike Levy. They're now, oh, yes, CBS Sports. And I started my terrestrial radio career with that company with a kid named Scott Kaplan. Familiar with all this stuff, guys? Sure. Got it. Uh-huh. Yeah, got it. Yep. And then they traded me and Scott to New York City in 2000 to host a morning show in WNEW in exchange for, believe it or not, fantasy sports commercials. And we took over the morning show. Sure, the station was doing great. Opie and Anthony, Ron and Fez, Don and Mike, the, the radio chick, all of it. You know. And we were horrible. And they fired Scott, and I brought in Craig Carton. You following all those guys? No, I got yeah, it. Craig Carton traded for Scott. Okay, that part I'm still <laughs> catching. And they got rid of me. They got rid of me because I, well, I wasn't happy. They didn't want to go to the fan. And, and in 2001, I realized my dream, Mark Chernoff, Lee Davis, Connie Fitzgerald, and the fan hired me. Okay, wait, you just went a little too fast. Okay. Wow. Wow. Write this down. Story so we've heard a million times. Story we've So I started the fan by doing sports on a guy named Imus, Don Imus. He dead now. And then I ended up hosting the, the midday show. Show too with uh, Jody McDonald and Joe Beningo, and I did the Giants. Both alive. Well, and then I had some personal problems, none of which are your business, although they're everywhere. You can public knowledge. Just go. Just step just out. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up, man. <laughs> He's got a controversy segment on his Wikipedia. <laughs> well, it led to my. Uh, oh, look on page one, right here. Well, I had to leave. I had oh. to leave. Okay, fine. Uh-huh. I had to leave in 2005 and go to Miami. And then I had this 11 year run, three different stations, 790 the ticket. Uh, 560 WQIM, 640 Sports, and all of that down there with the hope of one day returning to New York City, which, of course, I realized in 2016 when Chad Lopez, my guy Chad Lopez, had the balls and the brilliance to bring me back. And uh, I had to work for this company, Cumulus, for this lady, Mary Burner, and it was awful. And then John and Margot Katsimatidis came in, and now it's all a beautiful story. You guys get all that? Yes. Yeah, I got <laughs> Another story about you. That's what yeah. I got. But it's then um, at no point during this unbelievable story, which started, uh, my math is correct, 25 years ago. The story. You're, you're telling yourself. No, not the story, oh. you idiot. <laughs> That's what it seemed like no. <laughs> <laughs> when you started telling <laughs> I was confused, too. So. <laughs> well, at no point during this 25-year unbelievable career and story did I ever think. I mean, you, know, you never, ever, ever could have ever convinced me that I would hear this at any point during my 25-year career. Lewis. Yes, I'm awake. Play cut number 29. 
Your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for a reason. Oh, my God. And you And also, you have, oh like, a, the tonality. Like, you know what you're getting right away. It's like, I'm Sid Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight, right? Like, that's what you're going to get. Well, there you have it, folks. The tonality. The tonality. And the totality, because that brings an end to my story. And momentarily, I'll bring an end to the show. I'll be right back. (laughs) Well done, boys.